You're now listening to the Where's My 40 Acres podcast, baby, with your host, Phenom Black, Miss Music Lover, Twan Burgundy, and Silent X. This podcast ain't free. Well, maybe it is, but you better listen, niggas. Shout out to Phenom Black, Miss Music Lover, Twan Burgundy, Silent X Media, man. Mindset of a young nigga with idle time. They say a devil's workshop is an idle mind. It's hip hop infiltrated by a wicked built industry. I'm here representing for the underground. Independence, Fifth Amendment, freedom of speech, the revolution. Yo, what's good, everybody? You are listening to Where's My 40 Acres podcast. This is your host, Phenom Black. I'm joined by Tuan. Uh, Deidre should be hopping on the mic soon. But. I don't know, and uh, Mike is probably on tour. He's he's probably doing something with Kendrick. I don't know what he's doing. He's doing amazing shit, but he's out here doing something somewhere. So shout out to that man. Uh, we have a guest tonight, and our guest is a producer. I'm just ask: Are you a producer for Dreamville, like exclusively, or do you just produce? You've just produced a lot of tracks with Cole throughout the years, and now with other Dreamville um, artists. Um. I'm a Dreamville producer, but it's not exclusive to Dreamville. Put it like that. Got you. Okay. And uh, the the voice yeah. that you just heard is my man, Ron Gilmore. And if you go and you check the okay. liner notes on these tracks, you will see his name. He's done production for, I hate when people say Jid. I'm, I know Jid says Jid, but I hate when people say that shit. He's, <laughs> he's, he's done productions for J.I.D. He's done productions no, for man. Bob. I call, I call him Jid. I, I call him Jid. It wicks me. because yeah. I've been here since he's been saying Jid. Since people been saying Jid. So when I heard him say Jid, I was like, I don't know about that one, bro. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say Jid. Isn't that the, the like the nickname that the grandma gave him? It might be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just. That, I yeah. never heard it, so it it kind of just like it tripped me There's out. Like I was like, why people keep saying that's Jid, what he's though. always been called. That's uh, I don't know. As, as, as far as long as I've known him. I'll call him. I'll call him Jid for sure. So I need to respect that man's back, uh, name and get more comfortable. I met him back Jid. when when Omen's album came out. He went on tour opening the song. Yeah, I don't know if I know that. Yeah, man. It's been a minute, but uh, you and uh, you also produced on um Ari Lennox's new joint. Like you did that whipped cream. No, nah, uh, actually, I just I'm a producer musician, so uh-huh. when it comes to my production, it's like you know I could be doing anything on on a track like whipped cream, though. My man Elite actually he did he had to sample in the drums and it's a lot of it's it's other elements on that song and uh, they just brought it to me after he had to sample in the drums and I just kind of added a whole lot of elements on there. I did such a good job that you don't know what's the sample and you don't even know like you can't tell what's the sample and what's not. Like that's kind of the that's uh, that's another thing that I do that I really started doing for Cole. Is playing on the tracks instead of producing. I actually started producing in 2011, um, like for real, like making beats. Cole had bought me a computer because my computer, the screen was fucked up. I don't know. I don't know if y'all know about these. The Macs, the early, and it's 2011, so my whole screen was fucked up. And I remember we were sitting down. He he saw it. He was like, "Damn, homie, your screen fucked up." I was like, yeah, it's like a, you know, you, you know, niggas be asking questions like, "You you ever thought about making beats and all that shit?" I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. So. One night, while we were on tour, we, we we go out. They go out to the Cheesecake Factory. They hit me up. So they come to the Cheesecake Factory. These niggas, they bought me a shirt that said, uh, never on time but always on point because I was always late. 
but then he also that night he bought me my first my computer like and i just got a new one like like last year <laughs> and this is you know this is 2011 so you know with a track like whipped cream you know it was like i just did what i do i just go in and, and play it on that trick now uh, a track like opt in uh which i produced like that's something that i produce and uh a track like speak to me it's something like that as well like you know the elite like i said elite he had for even for speak to me he had already had the drum and yeah he, i think he just had the drum and i and all the music that you hear on that is me bass keys or guitar everything so, so that's kind of shit I do. Y'all still there? Yeah, we here. No, we 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 was listening. We trying to get this okay. information. So Cole, okay, okay. I'm 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 just making sure I'm on motherfucking phone. You know how the phones be going. Oh hell yeah, man. No, no, we we here, we here, brother. We hear you. We hear you. So Cole brought you a laptop. That's what. You, that's who brought yes, you a laptop. He yes, he bought it for me. Look at that man. My first, my first one. Yeah, great friend. And then you know that's and like I said, that's 2011, man. So, you know, fast forward that. I mean, not even that. Like, he bought me that computer, man. And, and I mean, boy, born, I mean, born center, four seals drive, four yards only. Uh, a lot of all that shit that I've done, like, I did it all on that computer. So, you know, if you're looking at it like a business, man, it was just a smart investment. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, he made a $1,200 investment and got way more than that back, <laughs> you know. So, you know, just a smart investment on top of being a good guy. Yeah. Smart guy. Okay. Give me one uh, second yeah. to uh, get our other host in. Deidre, you there, ma'am? She might be doing. Nope. Nope. There she goes. Yeah, I'm here. Hi. How y'all doing? Doing good. We're doing good. We're uh-huh. we talking with the man, Ryan Gilmore. Hello. Yeah. Hello. I was just telling stories about computers and shit. <laughs> yeah, I heard you. Wow. <laughs> so, because people listening oh, yeah. to us right now, like they're 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 laughing with irony. I know it. Uh, what you mean? Uh, uh, is motherfuckers listening right now? No, no, not right now. People that are listening. So when I say right now, I speak as if we're doing the show right now, but they're listening in their cars or whatever tomorrow, which would be mm-hmm. Thursday. And I I say that because. We are huge Dreamville fans, but we definitely drop a lot of cold slander because we just do. It's it's like we like we think he's a great producer and we think he has crazy talent. But sometimes we feel like we're not getting the full talent out of that man. And then also Dreamville is just stacked with talent for the longest as far as artists. And we're starting to finally see them getting pushed. But for a while, as a podcast, we were just always wondering, like, where the fuck is their music? Like, where, why are these artists being pushed harder out by this label? We basically were kind, are kind of like, Dreamville should be on the exact same level, popular-wise, as, like, TDE. Because, y'all, they're a powerhouse. Uh-huh. Or higher. Or yeah. Higher. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you got, you got to, you know, you, you just got to, if, if you kind of zoom back. And, and look at the, the the bigger picture, you know, in music and especially in hip hop because it's so influential. You know, it's a bigger play going on because you can't just say like, oh, why are these guys putting out, you know, these guys' music? You get an album like Ari Lennox, you know, that motherfucker shit takes time. People, you forget 
albums take time to do it. And the more time you sit there and really invest time into it, the better it is. And I mean, the music that we make speaks for that. If you really go through and listen to some of that music, like not even some of it, the majority of it, like that shit is good musically. And it took time for us to make decisions. That's where all, like people be, if people wonder why, like we don't put out music like that. It's because nigga, like as a great artist, that nigga don't just put out shit like that. Great artists, they be taking time with their shit because they love it. Like anything that you love, you're going to put real time into it. I understand from a fan's perspective, somebody that wants the music, you know, it could be kind of frustrating, you know. I, I get it. I do. I ask, I ask these questions just like everyone else has. But at the same time, I'm also involved in the process, and I can I tell you, it just takes time. And, you know, the results are different. As far as us being popularity-wise, I'm going to tell you all right now, you know, it's, we are popular. It is a popular. People want to, like, people have been copying Dreamville and been copying the way we've been doing things for years. You know, it's just that the message and the the way that we do things and the culture that we have is something that the majority doesn't want to be popular. Black people like trauma. All these are pop sell you the trauma. Dreamville is selling you the trauma, but we're also selling you something else. Another vision that can get black people in our culture further. And the agenda for the for us is not pushing that shit. The agenda for us is pushing the other shit. That's why all this other, this other music that talks about other things that we talk about gets more spotlight. A, because black people love trauma. We introduce the trauma on the daily, and that's what we subscribe to the most, whether, regardless of whether we like it or not. And C, the, the majority that put, because you got to understand, all these people that be like that, the Grammys and all that shit, that's because they cross over. And they're giving white people that imagery that they want to see. No diss to no one for what they're doing because these are true stories that people are telling. And they're telling the story just like everybody else. But some narratives fit into that perception that, that the other has of us. And they can buy that easier. When you get and start talking about the other shit that most of the Dreamville artists talk about, then that's, that's, not, that's, that's like boring to them. Nah, wait, no, I want to hear that. I want to hear the, the shit that fascinates me about black culture was the shooting, the killing, and the drugs, and the bitches, and the hoes. Not the other shit. So, you know, you got to zoom back when you're talking about that. When it goes down in history, after this time is over, people will look back and be like, oh, these niggas was really on something. Just like in the early 90s when Q-Tip, all the moments they had a big collective that was on shit, they were popular, but they weren't as popular as motherfucking the NWA shit, the Dre shit. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so so this you just got to look at history. Bro, you look at history, you, you can see why. Because I was looking at the Grammys, man. I'm just like, damn, like, Dreamer does a lot of nice shit, a lot of nice music. And we don't get that. We're not represented in that world. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have our world, and that's big. And J. Cole has his big J. Cole world. But it, he gets limited representation in the world, in, in the world at large, when the mass was in, like, the Grammys. Like that, we we don't have as much representation in that. I would like to see that change, but at the same time, I also am accountable to the music first, and I think we all are, and we all care about that more than that, more than the fame and the recognition and all that shit. I think we all want to make money, like we all want to be, you know, comfortable, be able to support ourselves and our families and all this good thing. But it's a, it's a, it's another thing that's bigger than all that that 
that I love that we're trying to accomplish. And that thing is not going to be the most popular thing in society. Mm-hmm. Nigga said the revolution will not be televised for a reason, and that's why. Like, I, I hear what you're that. saying. Well, everybody saying all that shit about that, quiet that shit, though. Anybody that's trying to talk shit about that, quiet that shit, because you actually are in luck. Because all of you have actually a team of homies that are young and fresh and black and motivated and willing to put time and dedication and love into that shit. And it just don't come out like that. I'm sorry. It just ain't going it just it just may never be like that. You know, when niggas putting out songs every day. It may never. Who knows? But um you could best believe that it's gonna be quality and it's gonna be time and effort put into that shit. You ain't just go throw shit out. Like niggas just don't do that. No, nah, I feel so, you. I just I, I put it like yeah. this. I put it like this. I think Kaz had a beast ass album last year. I think Boz had a beast ass album last year. I think JID has always had beast ass projects. And Ari Lennox probably has the best R and B project this year. Like I've I'll put her shit up against Scissors Control in a hot ass second. So that's where I'm kinda like, I wanna see these Dreamville artists. I wanna see Ari Lennox get a fucking Grammy. Like I would love to see that for that project. It deserves oh, yeah, it. So that's kind of where that's kind of where I was frustrated in how we talk about things sometimes. Cause it, it to me the message is like all of those all, all of y'all as artists have that message and it's been very strong when we've got it. So it's not really a question of why y'all not putting out projects. It's more of a question like where's the push when the project is out? I was like I wanted to see Ari's face everywhere when I, after I heard that album. I was like yo everybody needs to hear this. This this shit is phenomenal. But I was just uh-huh. kind of like a little disappointed. I saw that, that she did the Instagram push was hardcore and she's torn. And I see the shows, especially in our hometown, it's sold out with the quickness. But I'm still like, uh, I want to see more. Like, I want to see her everywhere. I want I want the, I want the, yeah. I wanted people to hear her shit and be like, yo, this is the album that we're putting on front right now, because this is her time. Her fans have grown since her last project and she's beast. So that's where my energy comes from when we're talking about it on the podcast, because I mm-hmm. want to see I want to see artists like y'all be successful because y'all are talented as shit. Like, and it's not right. a lot of artists I mean, like y'all. I, I mean, it just I isn't. Mean, but, but who says we're not? That's my thing. Like, who says we're not? That girl on a sold out tour, bro. Who says we're not? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, wh- like why why do we have to be promoting someone else to feel about ourselves? And we don't. You know, but I feel you though. I understand what you're saying. Like, I want, like I said, for me, it's just representation in the world at large. Um, but as far as it's like bigger and more bigger and I don't know. I'll just me. I don't know about about if all that is the best all the time. Because then we start to look like everybody else. You know, and not everybody else as far as looking like them and being successful or not successful. But like I said, man, this is just a it's just a different thing, man. And you know what? It's good that everyone that loves us my community feels like that. Because if every if enough people believe that, then that thing will happen, you know, in a genuine way. You know, I don't want to see us uh, sell out. You know, I don't want to see homies go down the wrong path and chase success and then forget about the music, you know. But I do, like, success is, like, if Ari's happy about what she is and what her outfit and what it's doing for her thing, then who, who are we to say, like, she's not successful, you know? No, you're right. I can't disagree with that at all. I can't disagree with that one. Let's get your story, man. Let's let's start from jump, and let's get your okay. how you got where you are right now. 
So you was a little kid and somebody gave you like a keyboard or you started playing around on one yourself or like how nah, did that happen? How'd you get into this nah, producing thing, man? I was uh I was bad. I was uh going to alternative school and who I was going to the goddess council so I could spend like a certain amount of time with every day and I was just not with that shit. I thought it, I thought it was whack. And one day me and this goddess council, Miss Alice, and we walk about piano and Miss Alice taught me uh two songs because I just thought it was so fascinating. She could play piano. And she just only needed two songs. She taught me that shit. After that she taught me that shit. I was about like ten maybe. And I didn't really start playing because I my, nobody in my family plays music so no, no one knew like get on the keyboard or anything like that. And so I think like two or three years went by and I used to beg my grandmother uh, you know, for a keyboard or whatever. And I remember getting one. I had to be about 12 or 13 at this point and so getting in high school right i'm trying to play at the shit but i'm really bad because i just have no guidance i meet a teacher named uh richard griffin and um i go to a school called national school arts that's a crazy story too because i was in an alternative school program i don't know, if I know about that alternative shit it's basically like through the prison pipeline type shit, so where they just keep you in this program. All the kids is in the same school, but it's in the same grade and shit. Like so, like it'd be like fourth graders and you going to school with like seniors in high school and shit. And it's all alternative school. All the kids got their heads off. Mm-hmm. And so to get me out of that, right, it was a whole big fiasco. And my mom really had to like put in work to even get me into the art school because me going to that art school, man. That I was no longer in that program, and you're supposed to. Once you get in that program, you're not supposed to like stay in it your whole school career. And I was in it at like the fourth grade, you know. <laughs> and so, um, I think what like '98, '99, one of the years. I'm I start. I go to NSA, meet this teacher named Richard Griffin. Um, I was taking piano lessons from a guy named Oscar Dismuke in Nashville. I was bad. I was, like, not practicing. Didn't take the shit seriously at all. It was just something that I knew I liked. Um, went to high school for music, and that's when it, like, took up. That's when it took hold. Because I went to an art school. I went to Nashville School of Art. So that, coupled with being in Nashville and it being such a musical city and has a musical culture, um, I was able to learn like music quick and I mean like old school shit you know I was playing top 40 bands and shit and this is like in high school like in the high school and shit I'm playing in church I'm doing you know typical musician thing in Nashville um I'm going through it quickly so I go to college uh and the military at the same time I was actually in the military as a concert pianist and I was going to college um to play piano get done with college get out of the military, and this was about 2008, 2007, 2008. Um, after all this, I decided I wanted to move. I didn't choose New York originally, but I was working for a, band, a man in Nashville by the name of Tim Dillinger. He moved to New York and started the band up there. He brought me up there a few times. They offered me... Uh, you know, they offered to let me stay at the house, like live in New York. And it was around the time I was looking to move out of Nashville. And this was about 2009, 2010. So 
move out of Nashville in 2010. In April, I moved in February 2010. In April, I met Lauren Hill. And that's and in April, I met J. Cole at the same time. And this was 2010. Um, let me see. So I'm touring with Lauren Hill. I don't really know who J. Cole warm-up is that I know because I had a my homie and I met Elite too. He's another producer. He's a, he's an executive producer for Shea, for the Shade of the Baby album. And I had met him through um a bass player named Nate Jones that was in the band that I was originally brought up to New York to be in by my homie Tim Dillinger. So this is all everything's like mad connected is in the story. Like I meet the bass player, he knows you I started working with the bass player. Um he has an open mic at this time called the five spot and uh no it's called taste is my bad called taste the stage that's what it was called and this is going on in brooklyn you know brooklyn new york i go to the to jam session and i'm playing there every week the drummer for the jam session is lauren hills md at the time guy by the name of biscuit rock i'm going through the story really quick but um so like i said everything is really really connected um at this point i meet jake cole i meet lauren hill i start touring with lauren hill and J. Cole, at this point, I don't know who he is. All I know is I'm working with this guy, J. Cole, who is a good, cool guy, you know. Um, and I remember for, like, the next two years after that, I was touring with both of them at the same time. I met J. Cole in April. We started working. It was after the warm-up, so I didn't get to work on that. But it was while he was working on Friday Night Lights. And so we was in the studio. I met him in, at Rock the Mike in New York. And that's when him and Elite was finishing up. Who that? When I met him. After that, he started work. He was doing Friday Night Light shit. And I wasn't really working with him on that many things. It was, we did work on the Just Like a Star thing. We worked on some some, some shit. And then I remember um, we were working. We worked on a few things. Then I went on tour with Lauryn Hill for that whole summer. And this is 2010. When I came back, that's when J. Cole was on his his. It was after his BET, was, he did he did a BET uh, Music Matters tour, but this is his second one, and so we and that's when I that's when my tour career with J Cole started, and that's when the production started too. Because while we were doing that tour, is when we was working on Friday Night Lights, and then after that is when we did Sideline Story. So all this shit, and so you know, and then you got years of just that from 2010. To now, like that's what I've been doing. Uh, I stopped touring with Lauren Hill, I think, in my 20s. I want to say 2014. And then during that time, like when I first started producing, like Cole bought me that computer. Boss was coming. Boss had already done Quarter Water. He was working on Quarter Water too. And at this time, J. Cole was working on Born Center, and I worked on a little bit of Quarter Water too. Four Boz, I just played on a, a few records. After that is when Boz does last winter. And we're all like kind of together at the same time. Like he's just really starting to come out as a rapper. I'm just really starting to uh, get my wings as a producer. You know, this is 2011. And so, you know, we build a relationship. We become really good friends. And then, you you know, you get last winter, you get Too High to Ride, you get Milky Way. Um, for J. Cole, you know, you get Skyline Story. Uh, Born Center, I did a lot of work on Born Center. The majority of my work I done man, was on Born Center, for sure. Born Center, um, the, all those mixtapes, uh, the Tears for ODB, um, Forest Hills, For Your Eyes Only, I co-produced Bill Mentality with Elite. Um, I played on that 
album two, just all kind of shit. And so, you know, you just get, you know, from that time I've been working with these guys and that's pretty much who I've been working with. I, um, at one point I took that with no ID and he allowed me to work on, um, the, the J, the four, four, four record too. He allowed me to like do some things on that. And he let me do, um, uh, uh, some work on Vic Mint's project, uh, the Memories on 47, and all this shit. So, you know, that's kind of where it started from. It started from my piano lessons in a hallway in an alternative school, and then what you get now is just the result of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's fucking work. That is a, that's a grip. I have another question, but I want to ask my host if they have a question they'd like to ask you. You just gave us a whole lot of information at one time. I'm trying to retain as much. Yeah, I know. I didn't, I'm just, I I'm just letting all this sink in, man. Right, it's like, a lot. He flooded He flooded the mic with information, so I'm just trying not to drown over here. I'm like, that okay. Shit, that shit, it's inspirational, man. Just make your moves, man. Just just always be available. Like, shit, shit fell into place. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, you, I think the, the moral of the story, you just got to always be ready for any opportunity that may come your way. My thing was I just never, ever wanted to be caught with my pants down and a great opportunity. I never wanted to be, you know, ill-prepared, you know. And, you know, just so I learned that in Nashville by playing gigs. And if I was to come to a gig not prepared and I was playing with guys who were, it was it was evident. And that feeling is, is just too embarrassing. So from that, you know, those, those set of experiences, that led me to get to, you know, a place to where I'm on point at all times like i'm not you're not gonna catch me slipping like that and that's kind of what really prepared my career okay so let me let me piggyback off that let me piggyback off that because that's actually gonna be my first question you talked about gigs okay you were in like a music mecca in nashville and you went to new york you didn't want to you didn't like what was the music scene like in nashville and why would you leave nashville to go to new york to do music if you're already you know, I'm there, like, it's a lot of people that's trying to get to Nashville to do music. So, like, what made mm-hmm. you actually leave Nashville to well, continue Well, you, you know, you're talking about Nashville now. You know, uh, it's somebody that grew up in Nashville. So, you, this in, in this time period, it's like the, the 2000s, you know, when I was really kicking around there. And I was old, and I was about 16 in 2000. So, I was, you know, started kicking. Now, the, the scene at the time, it was definitely, like, it's, the R&B, there are hip-hop artists there. There are all kind of great artists there. Songwriters, Capital, a lot of great songwriters. A lot of the people that do music down there, are actually, they get a taste of the country music scene and how professional that is, and they kind of transfer it over to the, to the urban scene. The problem is that no one on the urban level at this time, uh, not a lot of people really knew what was going on, so we would overdo it a lot. But the music scene, it was very diverse. I mean, I was—I remember I would play at a Latin club. I played a jazz gig. I, I had a jazz gig that was going on every, you know, every night. I'll play at church. I'll play the top forty gig. You know, I would be in a lot of gigs, and that's why people like Nashville, even to this day. That's why a lot of musicians go to Nashville. Uh, but the but the thing was, country music, even even now, it it's like a hundred percent of it comes from Nashville. No other place in the world has 100% of the music that comes from it, you know, in it. And so the city really supports country music, and it doesn't give the same support to the urban music, you know. All the things that I've done with J. Cole, I could have did in Nashville for somebody. But I wanted more opportunity 
to do music in the realm that my, you know, that, that I was in. And I didn't, I like country music, but not like that, you know. And that that's kind of like if you really want to be successful, really make a name for yourself in that town at this time, uh, that's what you did. You did the country thing. And, I mean, the money is great. All these things are great. You get treated great. It's great. But to me, that just doesn't, that, that genre of music doesn't speak to me. And I don't think it speaks to my people neither. Yeah. So I wanted to excel in something that spoke to my people. And country music just wasn't doing it. And I felt like New York, New York was not my first choice. Okay. My first, my first, you know, it just, it just so happened that I just got up there. Okay. But New York wasn't my first choice. That was going to be my next you question. Know? Cause about the time. So what year did you say that you moved to New York? It was. 2010. 2010. When I New York. Yeah, so around that time, like the I know for black music anyway, there was a boom that kind of like a resurgence in LA. There was a boom in Atlanta. And I mean New York was definitely still like a music business hub, but it seemed like a lot of stuff was heading out west and going down south. Like Treehouse around that time was getting established, blowing up. I know we were covering A3C at that time, and that was a huge deal. So, like, what, how come you ended up going to New York instead of maybe, like, Atlanta? Or was, like, what was your first well, choice? That, Let me I mean, ask that question. So, what was your what was your other choice choice or choices besides my, New York? My choices was Atlanta, Philadelphia, or Japan, like, Tokyo. Okay. Because at the time, uh, Philadelphia was really, like, a place where you can really go and maybe get a touring career as a musician. Uh, Atlanta, at the time, it was just booming for production like a lot of music was coming out of Atlanta and Tokyo to me well it always has a scene for live like live music so for me it was like either I'm gonna play live music for a living I'm gonna produce it or I'm gonna tour on the road like I'm gonna be a touring musician and so you know yeah Atlanta Philadelphia Tokyo those are the places I was thinking New York is just like you know that's just divine intervention <laughs> You know, I was like I said, I wasn't even planning on going to New York. I wasn't even planning to move to New York at all. It just worked out that way. You know, um, I mean that's that. I mean that's that's the story. I met. I got to make a correction. I said Treehouse. I met Tree Sounds. But yeah, Tokyo was yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was different. That was I different. Was what is, no. what is yeah, I met Tree Sounds, like, man. I'm I'm lost. over here tripping. I thought, dog. You, I thought you was in the new. In Atlanta, you know, you know, Cole recorded in Shannon and. and I think he, he was fixing up that tree. He did that verse that chanted at, at Tree Sound, for sure. Yep, I remember that. He shit on and chanted was at Tree Sound. We, we went down there. That's when we did the intro to Friday Night Lights. It was at Tree Sound, for sure. I remember all that shit, man. We've been knowing them homies for years. Shout, shout out to Groove, for sure. Yeah, that was that yeah. was the spot I was trying to get into, because I did... uh photography for a3c and, and some Bali other festivals so i was trying to get in there hardcore yeah. but things have changed now it's all good um so you went to new york and god a lot happened for you after that you say you toured with lauren you met cole you produced on some of his earlier mixtapes i know friday night likes the one was dope fnl was dope and then so you said you did most of your production on born center so uh let's talk about that um, what was one of the first songs, or I guess the first song that you worked on on Born Center? Um, I don't really remember the first song, honestly. 
But I do remember um uh what oh which which one was that? It was not Chaining Day. It was the other one. Damn just like drawing a complete blank. I I tell you what, one I really remember was Rich Niggas. That's one I really remember. Because when I like what I asked for was like, yo, can I just like come out, you know, can can I work, you know, on these tracks and like do more than just play piano? And he was like, Sure, you know, whatever. And so I remember for Rich Niggas, he had already had I think he had, he had already had like the track of Rich Niggas or something like that. He had already had like the song, but he had like no guitar solo. It was just a and I remember putting um, strings and the guitar solo on that, like adding a lot of music that you hear and really like arranging the track. Um, that was one of the first ones that I remember working. So that was one of the you saying that was one of the first. Oh, ones yeah, you yeah, we heard you and then it kind of like cut out. So I don't know if you had turned away from the phone or whatnot. Couldn't tell if you're still going. Hello. Hello. Yeah, we're here. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought I thought I lost y'all for a second. No, no, no. We're good. We're still here. Okay. So, like, when you work on a track, or when you go into produce on a track, and let's say you were doing keys, like, what's your whole process? Where does it start? Uh it just starts with it starts with an idea. You know. Uh. Easy idea, something that's not too crazy, and I just build on it from there. I record on the loop. That means that, like, once I start the track, I don't stop. Like, I just record everything to the loop, like, as it goes. So, you know, I might lay down drums first. Uh, I might lay down a keyboard line or something like that. But what, whatever the first thing is, I'll start with that. And usually it's drums. Usually I take like a like I do my little drums first, start that loop off, and then I add music after that or sample if I use a sample, um, or whatever. But my my recording process is it's kind of like watching a live show, you know. It's kind of like I, I just it's, I'm such a performer as on the piano that I just mimic that. Hold on, y'all got to see. Sorry, I had to step outside. No, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, that's, and I mean, like I said, at this point in time, when we're talking about Born Center, you know, I'm not even like making beats, <laughs> you know, like not even. But when you're talking about like musical arranging and soundscaping and adding music to parts and all this shit and building up parts and certain shit like that, then that's where at this time I was doing um, the majority of my work for call for sure. No, that's so, a part like of said, it. Man, that's a uh, part of it. Like that's uh, a part that people don't necessarily talk about. People tend to think that just one person makes a beat and that's it, but they don't actually think about like all of the mixing and mastering the process that stuff goes into it to make that shit sound amazing. So yeah, talk about that. Well, I mean, that's just because of is I don't know if there's a lot of people in hip like at the time at least or even before that. I don't know if there's a lot of people like that in hip hop, like that was doing that. You know, they you know, you, you have composers and, like, producers and, and arrangers, you know, for other genres of music. And that's just kind of where I come from. The process I'm used to is 
you sit down with a songwriter, you write a song, you know, then you go and get a band and you record it. You get a guy, the master musician kind of does the arranging of everything. And then the producer just kind of puts everything together. And all those elements, you know, I kind of took from Nashville and kind of integrated it into my process, um, especially in the hip hop. So that's the thing that I was doing for Cole. And I kind of, I don't, I don't think I created anything or did something that hasn't been done. But I definitely like to, to, you know, all those skills, you know, the, not just a pianist, but uh, a musician, and a producer's ear as far as arranging, you know, a composer's ear as far as like making up parts. I mean, I was doing strings on, on Born Center. And, you know, that's like composer type of shit that I was doing. Then you get into arranging of a song or putting drum beats together. And that's more like production. And then you get the soundscaping, actually like building sounds and shit like that. And, you know, taking a piano and, and making it something else, making it not just sound like a regular piano. You know, that's engineering, you know. And so, you know, you kind of got a guy like my thing works because I just kind of um, I implement all of these things in my in my production. It ain't just like one thing. It ain't just like I sit there, make a beat, get a good loop and get a sample, just put it on there. and That's it. You know. I'll go to that mug and, and, and really work on that mug. And sometimes it's a very quick process. You know, sometimes it can take five minutes to get something nice. Some, I remember when I did matches for, for Boss, I don't know if y'all familiar with Boss, but I did matches. And I mean, I remember we did that in like five minutes. That beat, the beat was done in five minutes. Now, all the other shit added on that took more time, obviously. But, you know, that's a that's an example of a song that we literally took five minutes to, to make the beat. You know, so, you know, when we talk about producers, you know, all the producers that I see now, to me, are what I like to call Marley Marr era producers, okay? Marley Marr was the first, it was really, it's another guy, but he's just the guy that's credited with being the first to uh, assign a wave to a button or, or a pad and use that process in making music, like the process that you see all the time. Like somebody put a kick on a pad and they do press a kick and all that shit. Marlon Marl was one of the first homies to do that. And so the, the the Juice Crew, I think, you know, coming from the Juice Crew of Queens, and he did that. And so you have, now you get a whole era of producers that do that. I, you know, I got, I do that for sure, but I'm more so like familiar with like the Quincy era of producers, you know, and the gambling hubs and all them homes, like the older homes who really, like, they had orchestras, you know, doing that shit. And it was a whole nother way of producing, you know, then sitting down on the table with a drum pad and make, or a sample on a, on a, on a, you know, on a SP-12 um, making beats, you know, it's a whole different process. And so that's why, you know, my process is, is to me is very unique in how I make beats. I don't think a lot of people make beats like that these mm-hmm. days. Now, yeah. do your pro- does your process for working on beats or making beats change depending on what artist you're working with? Like, is working with Jig yes. different than working with Boz than working with Ari? Yes, yes. Like when like when me and Ari did I Ben, it was like we we literally we started that on a piano, sitting down. And I'm sitting there playing the chords to the shit, and she's sitting there, like, kind of, you know, humming a melody, and then she finally gets something, like, you know, 
oh, I got this. Uh, and she, you know, we're playing it. And then I go and do the track, and then she comes sing on. That's a different process than, you know, I'm sitting there with Boss or Jill or even Cole. You know, Cole, uh, me and his relationship is, is different because he's more hands-on with drums, like in me and his relationship, you know. And so that's a different process. Um, then when I'm working with Boss, that's a whole totally different process because now is the, you got a guy who doesn't even who doesn't make beats, you know, like Cole does, you know, and he's not singing like Ari is, you know, he's he's gonna listen, he's gonna need a beat that he can write to, then he's gonna go rap, you know, like this. and so it's all different you know, process as far as my production style and dealing with different people, but I think all producers should be like that. You shouldn't you should do the same thing for everybody. You know, you should do something different. You know, cater to your artist. You know, every artist is different. And I think we all deserve that different process. Like, whatever whatever I have to do to, like, get the artist to feel something and be inspired enough to write something, like, I'm willing to do that shit in any session. So I don't think I want to relegate any process to, like, you know, any artist because of, of because of any type of difference that they may have. You know, R being a singer and G being a rapper or Boss being a rapper, you know. I just want to look at my artists and, and try to find out what inspires them and lean on that until I get something out of them or until they give me something. Okay. I hope I answered it. I don't know if I did. No, no, no. You, 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 you definitely answered it. Um, Man, I'm going to be honest here. I want to ask you a question, bro, but I'm scared. <laughs> Are you scared? I'm scared, man. Because of who Don't the question is about, bro. I I just Okay, go ahead. All right. Everybody has heard like the you rumors can't... of uh like torn with Hill, with Lauren Hill. Uh-huh. What is what is what was it like for you? I'm gonna ask you what was it like for you torn with Lauren Hill? Was it as bad as it was for other people? Or was it a completely different experience? I, you know what, man? I'm, I'm gonna say just right now. Just understand that my answer is, I'm gonna just take it from from the lens and perspective that I have, and I'll say this: there's nothing about the Lauren Hill thing. Um. This is outside of the late thing. Nothing outside of her is is too much off filter from like what the industry does. I've seen these same things happen in plenty, plenty of different scenarios and situations and ones that you think they would never happen in. So, you know, as far as people being late with the pay and all and, and not paying with the up, that happens. That happens. That is more so a musician thing. I wish that when that shit was brought up, it was it gave light to the fact that musicians don't really get paid like what we should. Like I would, I hope it brought. I wish it brought light to that, you know. But instead, we get you know we get drama between two people, two famous people, and then you get you know a perception or, or a definition of somebody that you looked at one way, and you hear behind the scenes, and it's crazy. I'm not going. I don't want to go and say and talk about like you know what I've experienced or done all that shit with her because. All that shit, it happens with a lot of different people. And I will say that sometimes the artist knows about it. Sometimes they don't know about it. Like, I've been in a situation to where I was getting fucked and the artist had no idea, you know. Um, that is just 
what we all know as the business. And that happens not just in Lauren Hill's group. If it does, it still does or not. I don't fucking know. Um, that happens in the music business. So, like, we should all back up. Like, like Lauren Hill is just one example. If somebody had that experience with them, I can't discount, you know, their experience. Um, I can't say that mine has always been the same because I'm a different type of person, you know. Uh, I might have went about things differently uh, when it comes to getting my money or getting paid on time or whatever. Um, I like to get paid on time. I like to do my job well, and I like to get paid for it. And I believe that everybody should get paid for their job, especially if they do it well. And um, my experience with her was, it was a great one. Honestly, it taught me a lot. Um, um, and I can't say that I would be where I am if I hadn't gone to that. You know? So I can't even put it as far as like, was it bad or good? I think it was definitely necessary for me in my life. I still look at her as like a sister and I love her like I do. And the business is just a business. I can't be looking at somebody like that's who you are because you do bad business or you do good business. Like her as a person is like, I got nothing but love for her. She ever asked me for anything. Like I'll be right there to do it. Um, and like, that I, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. I don't think you should be scared to ask that question. You know, I don't. I'm not about to like air out laundry like for anybody because I still believe in friendship and like shit like that. But I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say that everything that has been hunky dory. But that's any artist that I've ever worked with is never always hunky dory with the business, and that to me is the biggest travesty of that whole Robert Glasper and Lauren Hill thing that we all looking at Lauren Hill and looking at her and punning and everybody talking shit about her as if she's the only one that does shit like that. And it's not fucking like that. And I think what we all missed was the fact that musicians still till this day, we are responsible for all this shit. We do the most work. We are the inspiration. We are the, that, that spark that fucking ignites the flame, you know? And we don't get enough recognition, respect, or pay. And that's something that I want to see change. And that's what I was hoping that would be highlighted from that whole situation. And it wasn't. And that's fucked up. So for all those people who, like, want to talk about that, man, fuck that. Look at how your musicians getting paid. Y'all all motherfuckers love music. Don't nobody want to pay the musicians. Like, fuck out of here. I don't give a fuck about no Robert Glassford or Lauryn Hill or they be. Who gives a fuck? When it's millions of musicians out here is getting fucked, and we're providing y'all with all this musical great shit, all that shit started with a musician, and musicians are the lowest niggas on the totem pole. That's the issue. So, I feel you. Now, don't be scared to ask that, but let's you know, asking a person like me, shit, I'm a, I'm gonna tell y'all like the shit wasn't hunky dory. It was great, but neither is it. No situation that I've been in has been perfect. Like none. I think it's, I think no, it was an interesting answer because you actually added a, another perspective to the conversation about artists getting or musicians getting fucked in general. We generally always hear about how artists get fucked, how producers tend to get fucked. And then you bring it to the, you know, whole touring musicians, people on the road, those bands, yeah. they get fucked too. So no, I, I think that yeah. adds a different perspective to the conversation. I will yeah. say though, I can hear the passion in your voice about this shit, bro. Like, it's, it's this is really something that that you've thought about, and I, oh, I can yeah. see. Oh yeah, well, that. I, I, and it, it ain't something I, I live this shit. 
you know, I lived it. And I see other people living it. And I see a lot of musicians living it. And it's something that's it's something that's become so normalized that like like you said, you hear about the artists and the producers and all these people, but you don't know anything about no musicians, bro. Hell, they even make the fucking work for hire. That's a normal thing. That's a thing that when you as a musician sign, you give up all your rights to publish. Explain that. What do you mean the work for hire thing? What do you mean? Well, I'm going to just put it in a nutshell. Basically, if you go on a track, if you make up anything on the track, you are entitled to some kind of publishing, some kind of writer's credit, something. If you make up something. If you play something that was, play over something that was already there, or you kind of just embellish on something that was already there, yeah, you don't get no credit. But the point I'm making is that we have this thing in, in the industry called the work for hire. And you normally, the work for hire is reserved for musicians. When you're trying to not give musicians the publishing, or you're trying to keep the publishing and just pay them, that's what it's called, work for hire. Work for hire means that you get paid to do this. You get paid for your ideas, you get paid, but you don't get a piece of the publishing or the world. Okay? Unless you work out for something else, you know, you work out a whole nother deal. But generally, that's what that means. That's a normal thing in the industry. That is a normal thing. And that, do you understand? I'm explaining this shit, but that shit is crazy. What you mean you're not going to get a musician's piece of that shit? We should all be getting published and all shit. But we don't. You understand? So you basically it's, saying, it's like, normal. If, I, if, mm-hmm. I, if I was doing a track, and I get mm-hmm. you for work for hire to do some 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 keys on it, right? Yeah. And we working together, and you play some spectacular shit. That I'm like, yo, that's fire. And yep. I and we and, and and I ain't gonna say it changes the whole song, but you know, I I I put things into because I want to highlight that part. Then mm-hmm. if the track blows up or something like that or whatever happens with the track, you get paid for that day of work. But you don't get paid off for nothing that happens later. Like Mm-mm. if the track nope. goes up or not somebody... a motherfucking thing. Oh. Not a motherfucking thing. And 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 in that scenario, the musician is responsible for that success of the track just as much as the producer is. That could be argued, but it can it? Like if it wasn't on there, would it be successful? Who fucking knows? But the point is that it was. And that it made an impact. And that musician will get paid however much they get paid. And producing the artists and the labels, everybody gets the dollars. But you know, this musician got to go find the next kid. He got to go find the next thing to do. She got to go find the next thing to do. It's on to the next. You understand? You get a hit record, you might get one hit record and last you a good 8, 10, 12 years, depending on how big the record is. A musician can play on a hit record tonight, and then he can be homeless the next fucking day. That's travesty. That's slavery. I think more so, I'm more so anti-slavery than anything else. So all these issues that I'd be talking about, it just comes from that viewpoint of being anti-slavery. And anything that kind of resembles that in another way or the evolution of that, I see right through that shit. And the work, like I said, the work for high and the just getting fucked is a thing. And Robert Glass's gripe is a great gripe to make. It sure is. But making it for yourself is kind of like, mm, I don't get that. That's not really popping. The issue should have been like, yo, I'm this big musician and even I'm getting fucked. Right? No, and I my that. other all these other guys that are not as big as that don't sell twenty thousand records, that don't get Grammys, what do you think they're getting? 
the perfect time for him to advocate for his community. And I don't think he really did that. No dis, no diss to nobody, you know. But I don't, it's in my opinion, I don't think he really did that shit. And I think the issue turned into, once again, we assassinating our leaders, we assassinating people that fucking very influential in our lives, assassinating them over some bullshit, over money. We're going to assassinate our character over money. Nigga was trying to get us into a whole nother lifestyle, like a whole nother way of thinking. So throw away because she did some bad business. Don't even know if it's all her. Don't even know. You know? So, you know, I feel everybody's right, man. But when you get down to the real shit of it, man, it's a whole nother thing that's going on. And I think a lot of us don't really kind of, we don't really pay attention to that. You know, we only see what's right in front of our face. You know, a few of us can look at a situation like that and see the big picture. I can see where he's right. I can see. Did y'all see the response that, that she put up? I don't remember exactly what her response was. Yep. Oh, that shit was great. I was like, damn, that sounds just like her. <laughs> you know, and, and basically she's not apologetic about it. She's like, yeah, I run the way I run it. I do the things I want to do. If you got a problem, you know, fuck me. <laughs> you know, I don't want to paraphrase it like that. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, But I can feel that too, you know. But, you know, as far as just that whole situation, man, I think once again, yet again, we have some, somebody speak on something. And it could have been an opportunity to highlight a way bigger issue in our community as a whole. And we didn't do that. We just just kind of did what was supposed to be done. Gave him a whole lot of publicity. And everybody, yes, we love him. And then all of a sudden, don't fuck with him. I get it. Like, I respect your opinion on it. And I think, yeah. I think, and I respect Ron's. And I understand people's holdups with Lauren at this point, right? And that just came out at a bad time yeah. for her in general. So it's a lot yeah. of it's a I think it's multiple conversations going on at the same time that yeah. are necessary when you look at that situation. Yeah. I don't want to be like this person is completely right and this person is completely wrong to a certain degree. Now, there are yeah. some holdups that folks have and hey man, some of that shit got some validity to it. But I think the conversation that you're presenting here and some of the things that were being brought to light, like that's a serious conversation that we do need to have, or we should maybe be having. And I'm kind of looking at it like, maybe you should start a podcast about it. Cause you got connections and I'm sure you could talk to people just about their experiences at being musicians in a band and what it's like out here for black musicians, just trying to make a living. Cause that shit sounds scary. Like I work a regular nine to five. I'm an IT person. And then that, that type of uh-huh. lifestyle that you live, that shit scares me because not knowing if I'm going to get a check or, if if somebody paying me late, like I got bills that need to be paid on time. They ain't they they charging me fees if sure. I don't pay them shits on time. They like your bill twenty five dollars higher. I'm like I ain't having when it was twenty five dollars cheaper. Like, right? You know, that's the that's right. the world. So, bro, musicians live that thug life, bro. That's why you know they show the mouth the, the Miles Davis shit. The homie got a gun, he got a pistol and shit. Like clutching his record, clutch, clutching his mask with a pistol. You know that's kind of. That shit ain't changed. It just evolved, you know. <laughs> you know, now, I mean, back then it was just robbery. Then they could just take the shit from you, you know, or they'll do some kind of slick shit and get it from you and some, you know, with law and paperwork. Now it just evolved, and now you just get to work for hot. And, that's, you know, that's, that's basically what, it, what, it, what it's come down to. And it basically comes down to, I mean, bro, you talk about musicians. I mean, you know, when you look at Spotify, man, and what the homies are paying out, you know, per stream, and what all these, this big argument about streams and how music is changing and then iTunes get shut down for so that nine ninety nine ain't there no more. You know, it's 
music is really changing. I think the way it's changing is, I don't want to say it's for the detriment or anything like that because I don't want to speak on like my culture like that. But it's about to become a time where we're going to have to find, as musicians, we're going to have to find other ways to monetize off of our talent, off of our craft. Now, I'm going to be real with y'all. Musicians kind of don't feel these things because we get paid, you know, you do a gig, you get paid cash. Or, you you know, you get paid a check and that comes from the artist or it comes from whoever. And that all that other stuff, that's not our problem. You know, we don't. That's not me. You know, you brought me out here for a thing. You should pay me. But you just, you just got to understand, like, that's the kind of industry that you are in. When you decided to get in there as a musician, it can be, you know, tough. And you have to really learn how to maneuver with your business. That's the thing that musicians kind of lack, you know, turning the argument around and, and, and pointing it the other way. You know, how are musicians at fault for this? You know, simple. It's not being abreast as far as the music business goes. We know the music, we love the music, we can play the music, but how many of us really know about the music business? How many of us take that same energy and effort and time and put it into monetizing what you do? You know? And, and I mean, and, you know, that's an argument. That's a conversation that needs to be had as well. The knowledge and information and education about the very, the, what we do and your intellectual property, you know? So you know, it's, it's you're right. It's a very, it's a lot of arguments going on. A lot of a lot of things. Well, it's a lot of things for me that are not being talked about that should be. And I don't. I can see why they're not because they seem like overwhelming issues, you know. But if you just peel back the layers of bullshit, it all comes. It all comes to the light what we really need to be doing. And I don't think anyone is willing to like give up anything so that the next homie can live. Like I don't think all the producers and all the people that really make a lot of money are willing to step back and say, you know what? Yeah, we should give musicians a piece of their shit. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's not that easy. Yeah. Know? No, I definitely, I definitely get it. So let me, let me, let me, let me change, let me change directions real quick and bring it back to okay. your music. Uh, let's talk about what you're working on right now. And currently are you on the full tour uh, with Ari? Yes. Okay. Do you have? Are you playing with? So I don't. I don't know what her like her opener stuff is. Are you an opener? Are you playing in the band during her main set? Like what are What are you doing? I am her a, tour? I am an opener. Okay. For her tour. Cool. Yes. I, I go on first. I'm like the I'm like the only dude on the tour too. Kind of funny. <laughs> you know, I think it was supposed to be all women originally, and uh, I kind of just kind of just, you know, convinced her to let me do it. And she was like, okay, I'll, I'll let you do it. <laughs> so, you know, um, the album that I'm just coming out now with is this thing called Talking. And honestly, I wrote Talking back in 2016, like right after we released the maturation. And then I went on tour with Boz. Um, I went, I opened up for Boz too when he did the Two Hard Ride tour. And that winter, I wrote this album that I have now, that I'm presenting now. And uh, that's what I'm pushing now. It's called Talking. And the same shit I'm talking about right now in this conversation is the same shit I'm talking about on my album. And um, that's what I'm promoting now. And Arya was just gracious enough, you know, as a friend to let me come out and really touch the people with this, with this message that I'm pushing. You know, and, and that's what I'm working on now. Um, 
honestly, I can't wait to, to, to get off the tour, not because I hate it or anything, because I, I'm not being able to work uh, with the homies as much uh, on their music. Um, but a lot of Dreamville artists, they got a lot of nice music that's about to come out. And I've worked with a lot of them, majority of those artists. Um, a lot of people got a lot of nice things coming out. And me, is just like, I'm just now, to me, just catching my win as a producer. And so I'm really trying to explore that. But I definitely have a whole, a whole full hour album of just deep blackity black things. <laughs> black people that love blackity black things. I'm love. I also got like an 80s R&B album too. But that's later on that I wrote. All women too. Hmm. So on on so you're so you're opening on Ari's and you're doing songs from this uh this hour long project? Yeah. Cool. So yeah. what let I me mean, what's your what's what what type of music I guess like we know you I listened to I listened to what you had on YouTube and what I heard was dope. I don't remember if I heard a lot of singing or anything. So like what's your full style as far as like your show presentation? Just, um, just a rundown. I don't want you to spoil nothing for people that might be going to I the mean, concert. I mean, right, right now, see the the only, right now, I'm, it's just me up there playing keys. You know, I'm a keyboard player. You know, and and, and trying to get my little vocal thing on. Um, my style is is I don't know, bro. It's kind of like uh, Isaac Hayes meets like D'Angelo. Um, it's really like. Hump driven. I don't know if y'all, y'all, y'all familiar with D'Angelo? Y'all like it? Y'all listen to D'Angelo? No, that's not a serious yeah. question, right? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's all, we, that's all we do around here. No, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna let you do that. To us. Nope. That's a trap. It's yeah. a trap. It's a trap. Okay. Okay. Well, he he was a, he's definitely like a really really like influence on me as far as the style of music and that style. Um, it's kind of like the hip hop. Uh, soul thing infused, um, but that's my whole shit is just like I'm trying to be everything. I'm trying to write, you know, write some shit that's really thought provoking and say something that's very very thought provoking, especially towards black people. I'm trying to say some shit in a way that you understand what exactly what the fuck I'm saying, and it's something that's controversial. You know, it's something that's like, oh my god, I can never ever get with this, but he might be telling the fucking truth. Um, but my my style, bro, is, is all things. Bro. I, I grew up on like Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway and all these just like, you know, musicians, you know, that were great songwriters. And so I'm just trying to be a musician and a great songwriter, tell a great story, you know, behind some hard ass music. Like, and my thing is live instrumentation, you know, uh, the hip hop shit that people are that you know know about my work or whatever know me for. This is kind of a turn from that, but this is kind of like what I know. The music that I'm putting out now is like the music that we kind of all came up doing. The homies that's in my band with me. Um, so it's a it's a turn, but I think like it's something that's definitely fresh though. It's fresh and it's like classic at the same time. You know, you just have to hear it. I got like two songs out though. One is called Talking and one is called Free. And those kind of like represent like where I'm going with my whole style. I hope that answers your question. Look at it this way: what I heard, what I heard from the songs that you had on YouTube, they were dope. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm interested. What in did you hear? What else? 
I don't remember the names. I just looked up. I just went Ron Gilmore went to you. That was the first thing I did when journey hit me up. I was like, let me go see who this is. So I can at least listen mm-hmm. to it, get something out of it. And it's whatever the two songs are that were posted under you for YouTube. So if I did, so let me see if I did a YouTube search right now for Ron Gilmore. Let me do that. I'm going to try to say your name as much as possible. So our listeners go and search it too. Try to get these numbers up. Junior. It's Ron Gilmore Jr. <laughs> Ron Gilmore Jr. in my bad brother. Well, on your YouTube, on your no, YouTube thing, it's a, let's see, uh, I got same, uh, let's see, I listened to Same Shame. And that's, uh, three, that's me and Omen. And uh, I think I listened to The World. So that's what it looks like that's, I listened to. That's Imani. Okay. That's girl named Imani. Yeah, I see. I guess I Imani. I would think those other songs would be on YouTube. I guess they're not. Shit, I gotta put them motherfuckers on there. Shit. And I, li- but, I also uh, listen to uh, Cash Rules. That's from, yeah, that's from my all my first album. Like that's that's I wrote the world, and then this woman, great singer named Imani Wilkins. She's from Chicago. She called. She came and sung on. She sung it obviously. Same shame as me singing with Omen, and then Cash Rules is like is is cause. Uh, A.K.A. Cody Mack. He was Cody Mack on, on my album. It was Kaz and uh, a guy named Kate Quick, who's, who's phenomenal, phenomenal. So he actually was an engineer. The engineers are a lot of boss shit. Um, but that, yeah, that's the early shit. I okay. think, like, the newer shit is all me saying. Yeah, all talking is on YouTube. Is it? Ah, there you go. Yeah. Ah, my boy. Oh, I see it. Mm-hmm. I see it. I see it right now. Yeah, you're right. I see it. It's the it's right under. So I listened to three tracks, and then I probably got sidetracked and was like, "Okay, good enough." And I hit Journey back. I was like, "Yeah, let's do this." And then I I ran probably to do a hundred one of the hundred other million things I'm doing all day. But yeah, ah ah ah, sounds fucking with it. It's all good, <laughs> bro. But nah, those the that's for the new things. That shit is like 2016 shit. The talking shit. I just put that shit out. What five ten? So if that's dope, then you definitely you definitely gotten better then, right? So that was that was oh you this is new you on talking. So fan, so oh, people yeah. can listen to that stuff and get an idea, and they can listen to this and see where you at right now. So that'll be interesting. I'm gonna check this out. I'm gonna check this one I, out after the show. Honestly, I'm gonna be real with y'all, man. I wrote, I did, I did that album in the same year, right after I recorded my relationship. So it's, it's kind of the same. Where I am now. Man, I got a, uh, I got a couple like other albums to come out like after this one, a couple mixtapes and shit that'll show people where I am now. It's totally different than where I was when I wrote that. But this is a, this is what I want people to see though. Like you only gonna get what the fuck I give you. You're not just gonna get, I can get everything. <laughs> so as an artist, you know, I'm, a, I'm gonna keep it like that. But trust me, like talking is just. To me, it's prophetic because that shit's still going on. I wrote three years ago. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. No, no, talent is there, bro. Yeah, like it was. It's definitely yes, there. So, I'm interested in 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 hearing this project. So, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and hopefully, I get to hear you at the uh, show in uh, in DC this week. That that is the move, and hopefully, get some shots. Trying to do my photography thing. I haven't done it. I haven't done a concert okay. in like two or three weeks. So, I'll be able to shoot another concert. To get me prepared oh, okay. for another well, gig to do. Yeah, that, that's at, well, it's at the nine thirty club on the fourteenth, right? Yeah, yep. sure is. One of my spots. So. It sure is. Wait, 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 wait! You you don't want to ask all the questions. 
What about the lady? Is, is Deidre? That's her name. Nah. Nah. We like we we uh we like we're talking to Brandon, so we send the questions at times, but we like to keep it just one person. Oh, then it what? just we don't we don't like oh. jump over. We don't just jump over top of each other when we're talking and stuff. Oh. Like that. Oh, okay, okay. So we just get all your questions out the way first. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joshing, man. Oh. Uh, so is there any more questions? Are we still doing questions? Uh, actually, I was going to jump in and be like, was there anything else? Like, just uh, music-wise, any information you wanted to share before we go ahead and uh, switch up topics? And started talking about something else because I think we got a real thorough interview here, man. Like we got a whole lot of information. So our listeners, if they ain't know hey. about you now, they gonna know about you. Oh well, I hope so, man. I'm just I got a story to tell, man. But uh, like- yeah, all the, I mean, I don't really have much more to say, man. I hope I, I've said a lot. <laughs> I hope I hope I've given you guys enough to. Uh, you know, to have a, a good interview, man. And oh, you did. Hopefully, and hopefully your, your, your listeners can be, you know, provoked. You know, <laughs> and, and hopefully this just inspires more thought. And you gave us a thought. lot of information. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, they definitely right. going to be asking. I can see, I can see our boards now. I can see our Facebook group is going to definitely have some questions in it. There's going to be some people that are listening and hopefully hopefully niggas listening right now call in and leave a voicemail with some questions about some of the things we talked about y'all know how to do that y'all can do that 443-832-3494 let me go ahead and just plug the voicemail line now so y'all can leave us something so we can play next episode and uh yeah i want to because i want to hear what y'all got to say i want y'all to go listen to this man's music ron gilmore jr go look him up on youtube under ron gilmore jr ron gilmore and look for talking because that's the that's the newest track. But I definitely recommend the other ones. Uh, Same shame, the world, cash rules, uh, anything that you can find by this man. I definitely would tell you to go take a listen because I was I was I was very impressed, bro. I get worried sometimes. Like I get worried when people are like, "Hey, check this out," because I get those emails, submission emails all the time, and ninety some percent of the time they are trash. They're really bad. Trash. Really bad. Yeah. So, yeah. if, but if, but if, but if one of my people hits me up and they're like, yo, check this person out, I'm like, okay, all right, I trust you. I'm gonna check them out. And if they terrible, I'm gonna tell your ass and I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, nah, your, your shit was, was very dope. And then I saw your, I saw some of your credits and then listening to you talk about it was, I think it was, it was good, man. Like it was, it was really interesting. So thank you, brother, for joining us on the show and just, Hitting us with all of this yeah. information, just letting us know who you are, what you've done, breaking down the whole journey and shit. And I yeah. can't wait to yeah. see what you do. I can't wait to see what else you produce and put out. I'm ready to listen to it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. By the way, my newest track is called The Free, and that just came out like Monday, I think. Where can they find it? 16, whatever. Huh? Where can they find it? This the new track. Where can we find it? You can you can find it on like Spotify or Apple Music or t- I say titles. You know, title pay out the most. That's title. <laughs> I like how that like plug. That he said title pay out the most. Huh? Go do it on. Go look at title. Title pay the most. Go look that shit up on title. It's called the free. It's <laughs> under my name. Um, you know, shit, man. I just I just had to do that. But that's my newest song. Hopefully, I just want all the black people to listen to that shit and really, like, 
if, if, if you like it or you don't like it, who gives a shit? I care about the shit that I'm saying, and, like, I just want us all to hear that shit. I just want people to hear it. That's all. Like, hear what the fuck I'm saying and, like, hear that fucking message because the 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 time is ticking down, bro. America is getting crazier by the day and society is trying to do something to us that we do not want and I think we not we got to get prepared for that shit. Like, it's time to get prepared. Stop playing around. Stop fucking around. Half-ass in your life and really get prepared for what's coming up. And I hope this can be, like, the soundtrack for that preparation for what's about to come. So good and bad. So yeah, that's all. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, y'all thank heard y'all, it. Thank y'all for giving me this platform to you know to speak my mind, you know, say all the crazy shit that I be thinking and never get a chance. To say. <laughs> I appreciate it. Absolutely yeah. no problem, man. Like we. I always like meeting new people, talking to people, getting their perspective on things, and just kind of letting them freestyle talk, like freeform talk, and just kind of get it out. I know everybody don't have that outlet sometimes, so we let we allow people to come up here and just kind of be. Th- we want you to come up here and be yourself, like legit, get it out, oh. let introduce yourself to the people, and that's what our listeners like. So thank you for coming up here yeah. and being comfortable enough to just be Ron. Oh yeah. Oh yes, I can't be nothing else. Shit, I hope you listen just like it too. If you don't, just holler at me. <laughs> Let me know how you really feel. <laughs> but nah, man, I really like this, like the, the freeform thing. Do any, I have any more, any more questions? I would love to ask. I, I try not to be as long winded, but I got a, uh, I got a jet a little bit. Nah, man, we appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, you, man. like I so said, you gave us a lot to digest on. I mean, especially just the. The, the plight of the musician in the in the music business, you know, we look, we're, we're gonna look through these liner notes with a little bit more care, you know, because a lot, you know, it's not just the the artist and you know the main producer that we that that we're listening to. It's a lot of people who take time yeah. to make this music that we love. Yeah, man, musicians, engineers, A and R's. Yeah, man, it's a lot of people who go into making this, and we rarely highlight them. You know, as much as they should be highlighted. And I, I hope if if y'all wasn't thinking about that before, and and y'all are now, then I I mean, then my my job is done. You know, so that's what's up, man. Well, if that's good enough for you guys, I think it. I think I can stick out a little body here and uh, let y'all get to y'all great show. Is that cool? Thank you. Yep, absolutely, man. Thank you. Appreciate you for coming on. And everybody, uh, Ron Gilmore Jr., make sure y'all go look him up. Go check him out. And if you're if you were lucky enough to get tickets to an Ari Lennox show because her shit was selling out quick, then, you know, you're going to get to see this man live. And if you do see him live, please tell us about it. Email us podcast at wismo40acres.com. Leave us a voicemail at 443-832-3494. Hit us up on Twitter. You got a Twitter handle, man. You got an Instagram handle that you want to share. Want people to follow you? All, or... my, all my shit is Ron Gilmore Jr. All of Ron, it's Ron Gilmore Jr. O N G I L M O R E J R. That's it. Boom. There you go. Go find this man. Go follow this man. And let him know what you feel. Man, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I love y'all. And I, I get to meet you on um, the 14th. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm going to get a picture and everything, uh, bro. 
We're going we gonna to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And ladies, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And it's been a great interview. I'll see y'all on the 14th. All right? Cool. Peace. Cool. Peace. Money, money, money. What the black men preaching? What the white men teacheth? Everybody needs it. Color, season, region. can see it I don't even believe it what we all believe in love of money the reason slavery and treason robbery and reason money bought my freedom money gave me reason to be in the land of the free home of tyranny truth of the black man All right, everybody, and we are back uh, again. Shout out to Ron Gilmore Jr. for the interview. We're going to go ahead and we're going to move on now to talking about Tyler, the Creator's Igor album. And Deidre, I know this is like your album of the year right now. You've been just ranting and raving about how amazing this project is. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a better album out like that I've heard this year. Me either. Like, yeah, so far, um, yeah, it's like you said, Twan, I have not heard anything like this. And and I think we've we've kind of talked about it before about how we have seen the evolution of Tyler Creator since Bastard. How we have been fans, you know, since then and to see his growth from then until now and subject matter, just growth. And I know, you know, the dissect definitely has um talked about it too, but I think with Igor, um, especially, it still has the theme of because Tala has always told stories, you know, um, even as crazy as Bastard and all the other ones, there's still like the you know, there's still like a storyline to it. And um with this one it's it's no <laughs> different. Um you still see the the alter egos of him where, you know, where, you know, on his other albums there was, you know, there was even though it was angry tire, but then you had also certain aspects of like being vulnerable, where you know you like somebody and they don't like you back like her on um the song her on Goblin, but, you know, and then his, I guess, talking to his therapist, this one does not have a therapist per se. This one has a different story, um, but you definitely see the switch <laughs> of, uh, of, I guess, feelings and um, stuff like that once you get to track nine, but um it's it's yeah it's absolutely one of the best albums this year um 
So for me, I got into it a little bit after y'all did. Like the when I originally listened to it, I don't know what was going on, but I felt like that I missed basically half the album. I don't know mm-hmm. how. Like I got, I think I got all the way to running out of time, and for some reason, I felt like running out of time sounded like the intro. So I thought the album had started over again. I was like, oh, it's a short ass album, okay. And I think I, was, I think it was when I first started walking. So there's no telling what my blood levels were at at that point. Like I was completely out of shape, and I probably just could not hear well at that moment. I was probably proud to have a heart attack. And but I made Sir. it through, <laughs> you know. So I didn't fully embrace the project, right? And you kept talking about it, so I was like, "Let me come back and give this a listen again." But I needed to be in the mind frame to listen to Tyler, and it was hard for me to get out of that mind frame because I had been listening to uh, uh, Lickily Forty Seven a lot, and her acrylic album is just all fucking energy, all hype ass energy, and so I'm like. I need to get off of this wave to to listen to, to get my mindset into listening to Tyler's album. I got these new uh, Bose earphones, which helped a lot with listening to his project. And it's not my favorite album this year. I think it's dope. I have some issues as it gets later into the project. I think it starts off really fucking strong. And then I think there's kind of a low moment for me uh, after like a boy, a boy is a gun. But then it kicks back in towards the end again, and I'm keeping on repeat. But I think that this is the best NERD album I've heard in a while. Like it, that's that was my first when I finally got through the whole project. I was like, this nigga made an NERD project, and that's not what I was looking for from Tyler. And it's I think it's better than No One Ever Really Dies. And I love No One Ever Really Dies. But I think Igor is a better NERD project than that. So like, that's my praise for Tyler's project. I it, I just, I didn't, I know him and Pharrell click like that. And I know Pharrell is a huge inspiration. Again, if y'all haven't heard that Grinch album, that shit is fire. But I didn't expect this album to sound so fucking chattelicious when I heard it. And it, 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 it does for me it does so no it, it does the the sound is very i wasn't expecting the sound to be like this um you know i'm getting singing tyler like wasn't expecting that um but um i could definitely see how you can see it's in erd it's the it's the was it? It's the progression that he said that he always said he wanted because he said he he hates being known as just a rapper. You know, mm-hmm. he wants to be known as as like a musician. That's what he wants to be known as. I mean, because I think we've all seen throughout his catalog, he has some crazy shit that you that sometimes you can't explain away. But there's always this musical aspect of it that you just like, dog. There's there's so much talent there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And his last two albums, he's he's starting to kind of fully come into that. Um, this is my favorite album of his. I, I and when I when I put when I hit play, I listen to the entire thing. Me too. Like every I've listened to the entire thing. I love the the <clears> story because <throat> it's like the story of a relationship. Mm-hmm. 
A messy but, one. Yeah. And, you know, from, you know, you when you really go and you like somebody to um, not, then at one point, don't want that person to leave and the, trying to force somebody to 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 like them versus mm-hmm. being like, you ain't good for me, but still feel like I'm controlled by you. And then to really just breaking out and then be like, it's I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I I like that because it's, it's, it's literally, it's almost like watching the show. Like, and it starts off with just, you know, with like Igor's theme and it feels like the intro to like this, this nice episode that I'm about to watch <laughs> and watch this whole story, watch the twists and turns and be like, Ooh, and then leave in the end. I'm like, you know what, man, that was a good episode, man. I just, what he did with uh, yeah. Charlie Wilson's vocals are, is fucking amazing dog. Like I'm that this haven't, haven't oh, God. I, I just like Charlie Wilson's part is like my favorite shit when that shit comes on. I don't know how he made this nigga's vocals sound better than they already do when he is going through some pain singing shit. I know. And that's the thing, like even what you said about the story, like the you know, even though this is especially <clears throat> with Tyler, everybody knows that he came out, you know, um, and this is clearly about a guy that still has a girl that's still messing with his, you know, ex-girlfriend and, you know, mirror, you know, trying to maneuver that part of clearly this guy, maybe not, is not fully out. And he, you know, Tyler likes him and dealing with all of that. And, um, cause like it was, I think it's on, um, a boy is a gun. He's like, I thought we were going to breakfast. Why the fuck your ex is here? <laughs> like still trying to, you know, put that facade on, like, oh, we just still cool, we still friends, even though clearly we, they have, they both have a ro- romantic relationship, and then just kind of going through the the um, emotions of, I'm finally understanding, like, this nigga's a fuck nigga, but then I still like him, and then I'm I'm angry, but then towards the end, it's like, I still kind of want to be friends with him, like, I still kind of want him in my life, and it doesn't even have to be, like, this could, this is relatable to anybody. Like it could, it's relatable to me. Like I could, you know, think about when I liked a guy, but guy still dealing with a girl, you know, and it could be vice versa where guy could like a girl and she's still dealing with, you know, her ex-boyfriend. And I think I like how clear and consistent that is the story from the start of Igor's theme to the end of Are We Still Friends? Yeah. I love Are We Still Friends because you always feel like there's like you feel the push and pull like there's this tug of I want to still be friends but there's also this tug of I don't need to be your friend right I need to but I but it's difficult for me to just close that door and it fits in which with everything is there's just a lot of uncertainty throughout the whole album on on where they stand I mean I even love the way he um you know, he said, um, you know, are we still friends? Are we still friends? You know, I got to know. And he said, I got it. And then they put that pause in there and it's just no. And it's just yeah. like, I mean, the first time I heard that, I was like, yo, that is so dope. <laughs> like, that's, like, like that's, that's, that's a question. Like, it's like, nah, nope. So, like, yeah, like you first, first, like, are we still friends? I need to know. Are we still friends? Then no. And it's like that, that push and pull throughout the whole, throughout the whole album. Um, I like I've always been 
a big Tyler fan. My girl, she hasn't been that much a big Tyler fan because, I mean, I fully understand it because, you know, I remember I played, like, Wolf with her and stuff, and she was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so uh, Wolf is fire, first off. Wolf is amazing. No, but she, I can see she, if she said, like, I can see she if was like, never oh, I played it. Goblin. Now, I can see if you was like, I played Goblin, and I played, like, yeah, I'm there. My girl, you she know. Not, like, she's, she's not this big of a head, but, like, she'll listen to the song. Like, she has songs she like, and then what she did, she hear one song that says some crazy ass shit, then she's like, okay, I'm I'm done. And that's how she always been. But she's always understood because I would like play certain songs and she'd be like, oh, there's the, you know, she like, oh, there's talent there. But I'm not really, you know, that big a fan. Then the last album came out and she was like, I like this. You know, like this is, this is cool. I can see myself listening to this. And then when this album came up there, like at one point she ended up, I think, we got about a couple of songs in. I don't think she knew I was playing the whole album. She had a couple of songs in because she was like, who is this? I was like, oh, this is still Tyler. And she was like, this does not sound like him. I said, I know there's some, there's some new shit and shit, but, you know, by the, by the second time, cause we, were, we were driving down to, to Alabama listening to this, man, and this shit, this and, like, Beyonce stayed on repeat throughout the whole mm-hmm. trip. I think we listened to two albums the whole, the whole mm-hmm. time now. What did mm, me? Mm, this nigga said this and Beyonce. He said those are the only two albums the whole time. I'm like, mm. which Beyonce album? The self-titled <clears> one? <throat> uh, the um, no, the whole live. Uh, oh, oh yeah, not the homecoming. Oh yeah, that yeah. needed to be because because yeah. that shit's two hours, so it's always a good. We could put, we could hit play and just go through that shit and be like, and that hey, HBO was down the road. Killed it. So yeah. Yeah. No, I can see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, no, but, no, no real other one. <laughs> like she, she's not like it's been homecoming. It's not like we ain't out there listening to four. <laughs> I don't know. That's maybe what I thought Brandon said. <clears throat> maybe maybe y'all want to step. I know where that came from. <laughs> like uh, y'all want to get out there on the dance floor and step like in Chicago, then go get four in the nineties. I just, I just, I don't know, man. Like it's it's certain points where his transitioning is so great that you cannot tell. That the song has changed, like especially between like Earthquake and I think the transition is ridiculous. But for me, when I get to tracks like Running Out of Time and A Boy is a Gun, I'm just like amazed at all of the different sounds and instrumentations that this kid was able to mesh together on one track and make it sound so effortless and not make it sound as big as I feel like some other artists would have done using the same tools that he did. Mm-hmm. He just, he learned, I can, you can just tell that Tyler has learned or has been influenced a lot from not just hanging around NERD, but from producing with other singers and or, or, or working with other singers, producing with other producers in the industry who you only find in liner notes, but that are fucking millionaires. And then just like kicking it and doing jam sessions with like bad, bad, no good. All of those influences are here on this project with him. And the the growth, the growth of Tyler, it's I think so is, beautiful. A, is a true spectacle because it sounds as effortless as some of these great songs sound when they come on. You might hear it and be like, oh, this is so basic. But no, like if you hear the way he flipped his sample in comparison to the way somebody else had a sample flip for them uh, within the last week. Tyler. Mm. Tyler has put particular emphasis and has made that shit like it, he made it, it. You can listen to a sample in a song, but like, oh my God, this is driving me crazy. And you listen to the sample in A Boy is a Gun and you want to sing it every time 
mm-hmm. it comes on in the background, right? Like, I don't even care about the, when I was first listening to that, I didn't even care about the rest of the song. I just cared about the, don't, don't shoot me down. Like that, and no, then that, the, that's all I, I cared I about. I love this sample because I feel like this this sample described, I don't know if he did this on purpose when he sampled it, but I love when people make, will pull a sample that use, that feel like it fits the song. Because, you know, he's talking about his whole relationship, how this person's not good for him, right? Mm-hmm. But the sample is it started with a mere hello. That shit is great, man. I'm sorry. And that's that's mm-hmm. that's the part. That's the part that's loop. And and I and like when you hear that, you're like, yo, like so this whole like you get this whole thing in the background of like it just started with him saying hello. It's just it's the <laughs> way it comes in though. Like you can hear the started with a mere hello, and I'm like, okay, what is? What is this? Like, a, what, is, a, what sample is this? So on the background, up. there's a piano that's just playing, like, Dinner. perfectly in the background and stuff. It's it just... sounds like he's doing the uh, background vocals, which she sounds amazing. Like, she did a lot uh, of background. And, like, her tone of everything goes so well with a lot of stuff, especially this song. It ain't sound like he sampled, like, one of the first ever recorded Jackson 5 songs. And I'm just like, where did he get this from? And the way he's using it is so subtle to the point and influential. It just fucking sticks and hangs on to you. And you immediately think this song is not long enough. It is not fucking long enough. Don't shoot me down. Ugh, I can't. It's just too good. Running out of time comes on and it's like, yo, there's a beat drop coming. There is a beat drop coming. It is going to be fire. It is going to be fire. And when it drops, it's so good. It's just, it's, it's, it's so satisfying. I, I, yes. And I also love to, cause you know, like there's puppet, which is definitely Kanye. Definitely tell Kanye was part of that, but like, that was like the pinnacle of I'm fed up. And then when what's good comes on and that dun, 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 like I was like oh this is anger <laughs> and when he was like bitch I'm ego I was like oh yeah I'm ready to fight like <laughs> the anger is here I'm the fed up fuck y'all I'm here it, but it's, it's, still, it's still got this whole dance vibe to yes, it yes, like, yes. It's, still, <laughs> it's still very it's still extremely light you know what I mean like it's not a heavy anger but though you feel all the frustration like oh it's like yeah. Bogan I, I, man, uh, and shout out to Pose because it's back. But I just, I don't know, man. Like this album absolutely made me up my walks. Like, it was one of those days where I was like, I'm not as tired as I usually am. You can't help it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna walk. Him. I'm just gonna keep he walking. Just, he just produced it by like it's just him. It's like him. when I put when they put out the credits, it was like produce, produce. I did the production. Like I don't know how here. there is not a Tyler the Creator documentary. There has to be video footage from the last six years of this kid's just creative era. And it needs to be put into a documentary form because I need to be able to sit down and watch that shit and just soak all of this talent in. Uh-huh. I agree. And you know, um, like I said, because when did he start out? What bastard came out? What like 2010 or whatever? Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. Nine, ten or whatever. Got, and like 11, right? 
Yeah. And like even like Bast and and this is just even a in in talking about production wise. Like Bastard was all over the place, but again, like Bastard still had gems, like especially production. Like French, French is crazy, but production is fire. Um, you know, VCRs is still like one of my favorite songs off that. Like when he gave you that nice slow R and B jam. What do you know about this at like seventeen years old making stuff like this? But and, um, go ahead. No, no, you finish. No, I was saying, you know, from there on until like, you know, Goblin and, you know, Wolf and Cherry Bomb and all that stuff, like just production. Like he started off in on Bastard making beats like this. And, you know, you see a lot of people where they kind of fall off or things kind of sound the same. But, you know, each album is like elevated. Like you know, with Goblin, with she, I still think she is like one of the one of one of the best productions he's ever done. Just the beat flips and like just the layout of it is just phenomenal. Like it was some um, somebody from my hometown that you know, like I said, we've we've known about Tyler and all that stuff, and he really has never like you know like dug deep into Tyler. Like he's heard things here and there, but. You know, most people kind of think like, oh, Tyler, it's just too much. Because, you know, especially back in the day, he was just too much at times, I guess, per se. But but that's because they didn't never listen. That's what that is. Right, they exactly. never listened. And that's, that's what I made him do. So I was like, you need to listen. So I just gave him a couple, you know, I gave him Earthquake. I gave him She. I gave him um, Beamer. Like, just, you know, a little bit of everything. And he was like, what was I missing? Everything. Like, even... And I was like, this is what y'all were missing. Like, yeah, he said some crazy things, but, you know, you can't deny the talent. (laughs) But he's literally grown up in the process of doing that, man. And I I, I don't know, like, people misjudge a book just because of its cover. Essentially is what Mm -hmm. is the Tyler Creator story, because there is a reason that this kid has not fallen to the side, to the wayside, like so many other people have. And there's a reason that he has probably shown the most prominent growth over the last nine years next to any other artist who has been making music or a producer who has been producing as long as he has because he has worked with so many people. Like this motherfucker has a tentacles amount of reach when it comes to who he's pulling into these projects, who he's working with, who he's got in the background. And they all seem to love working with him. And that shit is just great to that point though, man. Um, my God, I love the fucking chorus on What's Good because this nigga is just talking shit over this damn hype-ass beat, this dark-ass fucking beat. And when that nigga said, niggas turning it up, well, I'm shit, I'm tearing it down. Hard to believe in God when there ain't no mirrors around. Like, if you need something to work out to in the gym, you hear that mm-hmm. fucking red nose, red nose, all you niggas is clowns? Like, bruh. I curled like ten. I curled like ten pounds heavier that day. <laughs> this motherfucking energy, and he does that. He goes from running out of time to songs like this, and then he goes like to the tracks on the end of the opening theme. At this point, can we stop calling what Tyler the Creator does beat flips and just call it what it is? Producing. Mm-hmm. Like, the man, the man is not even producing. He's composing music right now. Yeah, like that, that's. That's what he's doing. Like I, it's 
it's it's kind of growth that I haven't seen since like since Kanye. Like when you see the the small things that he did in the beginning, the small stuff that you thought was like, okay, this is fire when it came to a a, a beat. But like like I can go back like like I go back and listen to College Dropout and I hear that the, the the stuff that made Kanye famous and that we like, but then you know you got some stuff that he's made on later albums that is luscious shit. It's same thing when I go back and listen to Goblin, you hear the you hear the the building blocks of it. Mm-hmm. Right. But you look now and you're like, oh, this nigga done built the mansion now. But I'm telling you, like, that's why I don't like Kanye's first album as much as any of his other albums. Like everybody is I think a lot of Kanye fans, and it, it's this it's I think it's the same president that is set when I see people talking about I miss the old Kanye. When they say that, what they're saying is I miss that era of hip hop where we were sampling everything. And that's what it was about. Finding the dopest fucking sample. That you that you grew up on because your parents used to listen to it all the time. And you the, recognize and that sample when it comes right. You recognize okay. that sample when it comes on. And it's just sped it. up. Right. And you love it. And he puts a, he puts some drums around it and maybe some pianos and some flutes and some shit. And you're like, oh my God, through the through the fire is fucking through the wire is fucking amazing, right? You know, I get that. I get why y'all love that Kanye. But when he did late registration, I was like, okay, this is a completely different type of production. And granted, he mm-hmm. had he had Brian with John Brian with him on that one. Yes. But and Kanye continued. Orchestra. He continued. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but then full you get orchestra. to like, but like then you get to like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, and you're like, what the fuck? This that's my is going ugh. on with Kanye, dog. Like his production is insanity on this album, and I don't understand. What I don't understand is at this point, after graduation is when people started to check out. But I'm like, how could you check out? Because my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is the one with fucking all the lights. Like, how did you check out of this project? How, how, are, you, how are you doing that with you what not, you're hearing? When you heard Power and was like, what is going on? Yeah, what a yeah, devil yeah, in a blue like, dress. Or what? Like, yeah. like how, are you, how are you checking out of this project? The, the way he flipped. Or devil in a that, new dress. Uh, sample in Power. And made that shit sound like a spiritual chant. Yes, bruh. Look, look, and then hell, um, the last junk, um, lost in the world, mm-hmm. which just felt like the end. Of, like when you when you let out of church. Like <laughs> I'm gonna be right now. Like you know how you, cause, you know Kanye got his little Sunday services going on and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Kanye can start a musical call. I'm joining. Like <laughs> I'm gonna feel. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> like as long as he ain't talking about Trump, it's gonna be fire. You know, but like, I, can, I, you, can I, you feel that music? I would say this. I think Tyler's growth has been much greater than Kanye's over his career. But again, I think, I think Tyler's had, I don't want to say Tyler's had a longer growth. I'll say that. I'll just say that. I think Tyler's growth, Tyler's growth up to this point, And he's still in his twenties is greater than crazy thing. Greater than Kanye's was over his six to seven album run. Um, Tyler's just, he is a beacon of impressiveness. I, and he's I, comfortable. God. Like I think that's the difference too between him and Connie. I mean, Connie's not comfortable right now. Like no, Tyler is. Tyler is comfortable. Like especially now that you know he's came out. Like he has like pretty much like nothing to quote unquote high. Like you gonna get him, you love him or hate him. And I think you know now that he's matured some and he's comfortable and he knows he has a clear vision on how he wants to you know make music and it's and even just the extension of that like through the stuff that he does through tv um yeah like 
it's just you just kind of be like what else what else are you going to do not could you do because you're going to he is going to do it but it's just like you're very excited about what next level he's going to come out with musically yeah he's he's right like i don't i put him well we're, we're comparing artists and their growth and how significant their growth has been since the beginning since they started i put him and childish gambino in the same camp of niggas y'all just really 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 wanted to call weirdos that the whole time were pretty much geniuses and extremely talented so now y'all look fucking stupid and (laughs) y'all are fans like hardcore fans Oh, mm-hmm. I've been here the whole time, fans. You ain't see me in the back, ass fans. Nigga, please, fans. Like, bro, you ain't fooling <laughs> nobody, ass fans. The room definitely got a little fuller, ass fans. So, uh, Igor is, is just, that shit is prominence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just fucking, it is, is very dope. It is very, very dope. And if you have not listened to it, you are, don't be like me, be better. You are missing out. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm keeping it real. I am keeping it. I'll tell you, my favorite projects this year, um, like Igor is one of them. I think Anderson Pac delivered two dope ass projects for me this year. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna tell you one DJ that I don't I don't know. I'm not gonna say I'm not I will say you and Twan. I don't know if y'all are Elton John fans. I am one. I am, but not like a severe one. I'm not a severe Elton John fan. The I have my favorite. Goddamn amazing! You saw it. You saw Rocket Man. Y'all, that movie. Oh, the movie. Listen, was amazing, Twan. Sir. Twan. The no, I'm, fucking. No, I'm, I'm in. I look. I'm. I'm in the in the in the thing. Uh, singing like. Bro. Okay, so I have. I told you I have two uh free movie tickets. I have yet. Yo, go see Rocket Man. Oh, Mark Deidre. Listen, Rocket Man. The fucking soundtrack for Rocket Man. If y'all have not heard it with Targon actually singing Elton John's music and the way they redid some of his stuff, like the way they redid Rocket Man. They, they, they did oh a duet together. It's at the end, but man, I'm telling you, that soundtrack is so fucking good. Hmm. Like the movie is already good, but the soundtrack yeah. on top of it just makes it so much better. That's one of my favorite releases he's, this he's year. One of those, he's one of those people that you... Because even because me and my girl both said it, you know more songs of his than I thought. Oh hell yeah! Me not really being a like that. I wouldn't say like oh if somebody said oh you Elton John fan. I wouldn't say yeah I'm an Elton John fan. But then there were songs that's playing like I know this song. Why do I know this song? Because Elton John <laughs> made a whole lot of fucking songs. Like like it was kind of prolific like that. But like like yeah with him with the actor actually singing the songs and sounding very good. As as he sings them, you know what I mean, and going in there, and then it's 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 a it's, it's a musical, a biopic musical. It's a fucking musical. It is an amazing and, musical. And it's and I just, fucking hate musicals. No, I listen. I love musicals. No, I took I took Keisha to it, be like, oh, it's a musical, and I'm like, man, she is not gonna like this thing. She don't know. <laughs> she don't know what she get into. And then like, soon like like soon as the, this thing hits start. It's like musical, musical. It's like just people come out the side. But it's jam. so good. But like, it's so good. Girl, like, oh man, she's not gonna like this job. But it, they do it so well. It was such no. A it's great it's how the, the 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 genius with what they did with Rocket Man was. People don't just break out into song for the fuck of it. 
the reason that songs one of one they're they're picking songs that are extremely popular and everybody in the theater if you know who Elton John is you know the song but they use those songs as their way of doing montages and transition through his and lifetime and scenes which yes. which is Shit what is a good genius. musical on the stage does supposed to but a lot of musicals are just we feel like singing we're singing now because and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> what the what are you even singing about but with this one it's like Oh, y'all want to see what my come up was like when I became a millionaire who was selling 5% of all the world's records? Here's this song that pretty much is a great representation of that. And these other actors that are in the film are going to sing it with me. And they do a, oh my God, like everybody that sings in this movie does a great fucking job. Even like Madison. I was like, I didn't even know he could sing, but it's not even like he can sing. It's like they do just enough to make it so that him and Targon singing together works. And the guy that played uh, his friend at the end, when they had him singing Yellow Brick Road, I was like, bruh, hold, hold this version, this version is like they do a rock version of, of Yellow Brick. I was like, I'm done. First of all, that's my favorite Elton John song. And they, these niggas just did a whole like hard, like a, a, a 70s, 80s rock and roll flip of it. I'm over. I'm over the fucking hill right now with this. And I had to go listen to the soundtrack and I was just like, like, yo, it's so good. It's, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just as good as the fucking movie. Okay. I'm definitely gonna. Like, Ashley was crying. Ashley was like, you didn't see me crying through the movie because he had such a hard life and people were so mean to him. And I was like, oh, Ash, bless and him. Then, and then like, like it is, it, it is so when you get to the jug and it's triumphant, and then when you, then when like, when they get to the end, they put like, I'm still standing. Oh like, my you God. Want that, you want to stand up and start screaming with him. That's like, what, yeah, that's what got me. <laughs> that's what got me when, when he, when he leaves that center on, I'm still standing. And he is just singing, walking down the hallway. I was like, bro, don't, don't you, don't you tear up. Don't you get dusty. Don't get dusty up in here. <laughs> this nigga's story is triumphant. And then they, they, then they break into the, oh my God, it's so good. It's so I want to see it a third time now. It's so good. <laughs> so good. And Elton himself said he was very happy because. Bro, he was an executive no, producer on it. Yeah. He said, oh, um, good. yeah, always love that. But he said, unlike, you know, when, when it came to like, when they did Freddy's biopic, he said, I didn't want them to gloss over. Like they had like they had full sex scenes. He said, I didn't want them to gloss over that I'm a gay man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that had, you know, that's who I am. But I a lot of his story was about that. So you, how can you gloss, gloss over that with I his mean, life? They did, with, they did it with Freddy a little bit. They, the way they did it, first of all, Freddy, the, 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 um, that film, but that which, was that was more of the the band themselves didn't really want to dive into that stuff. It's 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 a combination of that, but also you kind of you kind of got to look at Bohemian Rhapsody as more of a fast food biopic. And I, I see it as a is a is a is a, a moment in time because it's a it's it's of of this era of that one era. Honestly, Bohemian Rhapsody was a movie was a film made for Queens fans who are heavy Freddie Mercury fans, but don't necessarily care about the more intimate details of his life. They're there to sing those songs in the theater that my boy who got the Oscar Rami Malek is not actually singing. That is completely the actual fucking audio 
from the records that they are playing and having him just kind of mouth it. Now, granted, I'm glad my well, man got, a, got an Oscar. Like, you, 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 you know what? People say that, Tuan, but oh, no, you don't necessarily... You can find somebody that can sing well enough and then get that in the studio to Freddie Mercury it up, dog. Like, that you can. But they just didn't... They just didn't take... They just didn't do that with this. They just played the recording. I, I, I like Freddie. Like, Fred, Freddie Mercury was a singing-ass singer. He absolutely was. And they could have done some great mastering to make somebody sound like what's like Targon sings really great. Hey, he does not sound like Elton John, but he sounds Elton John is enough that it makes the movie work. Not saying that Elton John can sing as great as Freddie Mercury either. Cause that is not the truth, but you could have found somebody who there's so many, there's way too many people out here that can fucking sing dog for you to be like Freddie Mercury is just the last of his kind. No, that's not true. There's a kid out here somewhere who can sing as well as Freddie fucking Mercury. Y'all just ain't discovering oh, yeah, it. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The thing was, they yeah. wanted to get that. That movie was a mess. You got to understand, Sasha Baron originally was supposed to play Freddie Mercury. We know Sasha Baron can't fuck. Sasha Baron Cohen cannot fucking sing. Borat cannot fucking sing, dog. So if that was originally who was supposed to play it before I mean, he got into done, it, I'm not gonna say that again. I'm not gonna say he can he can he can sing at all. But he's he's a person who's done musical and musical theater before. Hey, that's fine. I know we know he can't sing like no fucking Freddie Mercury. We've heard about it. Oh that. no. Okay. But also, like, like I said, Queen wanted to do more. They wanted to clean up more of that stuff. They wanted to do a Queen movie too. They wanted to do a film where Freddie Mercury died in the middle, and the rest of it was about Queen after Mercury. Which don't make no fucking sense because don't nobody want to see that fucking movie. Don't nobody know what the hell they did I after mean, Freddie you, Mercury died. Yeah, but like, even not even that, you could have still put that stuff in there because like that whole album where he was, you know, making it while he was sick. Um, you know, that's you know that that album and stuff like that. You could have went. That's more still about Freddie that. Mercury, though. That's not about Queen. And Queen wanted a movie about Queen. They really Freddie like Mercury. like what was it? Uh, uh, is I've got with the with the with the guy's name that got into it with Sasha, the guitar, uh, the bassist or whatever. May. Can't yeah. He uh he he wanted that. They wanted that shit to be a Queen movie, and and Queen fans wanted a Freddie Mercury movie. That's just the reality. They didn't want to accept the reality. Freddie Mercury's great. This is fucking Freddie Mercury. <laughs> it's like we making a Jackson Five win. film about Tito. Okay, nigga, yes. who asked for that? Like who? Like so the movie is over when Michael leaves. <laughs> who is like who? I, you know what? I want somebody to do a movie on. What is it that? Uh, I want somebody to do another Jackson Michael biopic, but I wanted that part. Who was it? Who started dancing during the tour? Was it Randy or somebody? Where he started dancing and everybody in the band just stopped and looked at his ass. Like, why are you dancing this You just hard? want that scene in the movie? Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I wanted I want to I wanna hear the background. I want to hear the, what happened after. <laughs> A beating happened. You know I Joe beat the shit out of that Michael boy. Michael was like, nigga, what you doing? You know Joe beat the moves out there, boy. <laughs> he ain't never shit me the same again. But they were like they were like they were like in their twenties though. Like was... <laughs> you what you think niggas in their twenties don't get beat by their fathers? They shouldn't. They do. You know they do. Shoot. <laughs> yes, Deidre. Go see Rocket Man. I see. Oh, that's so good. Like you, you will have a good time. God, it's okay. just oh my god, so much life to get out of that movie. That's it's what's up. it starts off with life, and it just life through the whole shit. <laughs> oh, <so good. laughs> that segue. It's just 
it just it just was, man. Like, uh. Okay. You gotta understand. Like, I saw some shit this weekend. I saw the dead don't die, which is really not good. It's it's cool, but it's unfinished film that they put in theaters. I don't know why. I was supposed I to go was see. Looking, I thought that was gonna be alright. You'll man. probably like that shit, Twan, but it's not finished. There's a whole third act missing from that damn movie. <laughs> 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 like, like it's like it's it's funny and it's tongue in cheek and it breaks the fourth oh. wall and all it and it has a great lineup of actors and for the for those parts it is great. Right. But then you start to realize that when you look at your clock, you're like, wait, there's a whole third act about to be missing from this movie. What was the point of this? Oh, this film thinks it's deeper than it is. Uh, let's see. There is. I saw Men in Black yesterday. Um, I think critics are tripping. I think the movie is fun. I think it's a mess, but I think it's fun. And I was supposed to go see Shaft tonight, but I didn't. So no I still comment. gotta see. I still gotta see Ma. Ah, oh, Ma, so good. Octavia, crazy Octavia Spencer, which is, wow, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Also, I'm, I'm probably gonna see Shaft too. Yeah, I could. I could see y'all doing that. Oh man, what is? Oh, I probably go. Oh myself. my god, Shaft has a zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> damn. No, they don't have any reviews up. Okay, they just put that guy. I was about oh. to say, what the hell happened? <laughs> How you get a zero? I mean, I'm looking at honestly looking at the cast, and I could I could see how it get it there. But yeah. I'm trying to see what is out that I want to see because I did not see a lot. Secret Life of Pets supposedly late night is good. Uh, Chris saw it. I didn't see that one. What is? Oh, uh, the one the mini killing. Yeah. Oh, that does come out this week. Mm-hmm. I can see myself going to see that. Supposedly, it's good. I have not seen it, but supposedly it's really good. If you didn't see the one with Charlize, Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen, if you can still find it in theaters, go see that shit. It's good. Like that—that that was one of my favorite long films this year. Good. Yeah, Long Shot's really good. Yeah, but I said I didn't go see Godzilla. Didn't see Aladdin. I'm not going to see. And I'm not. Though. I'm not going to see either one of those. Yeah, fuck, fuck Godzilla and fuck Aladdin. Even though I saw Aladdin, fuck Aladdin. And honestly, my I'm shows like, are back now. I might, I might see Booksmart again. That shit. Was, oh, Booksmart was funny. I'm just glad my shows are back now. Big Little Lies is back, and I get to see Meryl Streep act crazy around these crazy ass. Yeah, when women. does that come out? It's out Sunday. Was the first episode? Oh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't watched any TV this weekend. So oh God. Meryl, that is back. I didn't know it came out already. Fucking Pose is I'm back. Have, I'm gonna have to catch up on that, man. I, I did not watch the first season at all. First season is but good. Big Little Lies. Yes. Good. yes. So it, my mom talked about it Y'all saying the same thing at the same time, so I don't know what now that y'all saying. Go ahead, Twan. I say I haven't seen that. I haven't seen Sharp Objects. Sharp Objects. So I haven't bad. seen Dull Objects. No, nah, I ain't seen none of that shit. What the fuck? Sharp Objects is phenomenal. So like, good. I binge watched that and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, Finally, I got Deidre. I was like, listen, need to go watch Sharp Objects. You did. The and I been, so literally, I sat good. there and I was like, I'm watching all of it. Like, after you see the first episode, you'll be so upset to be like, Wait, I have to go. Like, I want to keep watching it. Yeah, and I what? think it's just eight episodes. It's not like a whole no, lot it's, of episodes, it's it's and it's a eight. lot, but it's very good. It is good. Omens is good on Amazon. Like I think I said that before, but that one is good. I guess I need to watch Chernobyl because everybody's talking about Chernobyl, and supposedly Chernobyl is supposed to be the bomb. So I need yeah, to watch Chernobyl. Watch I don't yeah. know. So HBO got this new show Euphoria coming out with Zadaya. I don't know if I'm gonna watch it now because the director. 
came out today and said it's gonna make 13 reasons why I look like an after school special and I'm like bruh I think I saw somebody maybe it was a critic I guess I guess talk about the like how much drug use is too much for I guess teenagers to be portrayed on TV supposedly the first episode has 30 penises in it which to me wasn't the problem like if you're just like because if it was a film with 30 titties in it, then which would have been 15 women. What are 30, 30 titties? Penises. They it's just, supposedly, just out, supposedly, they a penis yeah. There's a penis in the trailer. It is. For it. I'm just saying, but they go to a, a, a museum of peanut, peni. I don't know. And supposedly the penis in the trailer is about a forced, it's, I'm a, it's a statutory rape scene with a transgender person. Mm, all right. All right. I'm I'm already kind of like see, mm, and this is from a dude. This is directed by a guy whose father is a director, so you have nepotism, and it's about it's a it, it's based on his experiences when he was using drugs heavily. So I'm like, oh, it's a film being directed or written by a spoiled rich kid who got into drug use and decided now he wants to talk about it. I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> When does it come out? Uh, next month. Yeah, it's, they've been they've soon. been doing. Um, I mean, every time I watch them on HBO, like at the end, they some new. They're playing a trailer for it. I gotta finish handmade. Yeah, I, I think yeah. When I was reading, they said it's a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I don't um, know how I feel about somebody stuff. like. Um, I guess masturbates on webcam sure to one of the teens and it's like a adult like it's super racy see i can't no man like that type of shit i don't want to see listen i know that shit exists i know it exists in the world i don't want to see that shit i don't want to watch a show about that i really don't if you're like i want to show the atrocities of child rape over an eight episode season of a series called kitties i don't want to watch that shit I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that y'all want to tell a reality about the world. Something is happening. I get it is happening, but you know what? I don't need to get the visuals. I really don't need to see that shit. Like, and sometimes people be like, oh, we're telling, we're showing you the darker side of humanity. Right. I don't want to see that to that degree. Mm-mm. It's, it's hard enough knowing that shit like that exists in the world. It's hard enough watching a film like Mississippi Dam. I don't want to watch a whole series where every episode is Mississippi Dam. Hell, I don't want to watch When They See Us. As amazing of a director as Ava DuVernay is, I don't want to watch that. I'm not. Because um, I've seen the documentaries. I don't, I just don't want to see, because I know she put amazing visuals to it. I don't need, I don't, I don't need to be broken that way again. I was broken by the documentary. I don't need to be broken again by that story. You don't want them George Mathis tears? Bruh. Bruh. Bruh, when your grandfather started doing shit like that on Facebook, you need to take uh, their phone away. You gotta let it go. You gotta let your granddaddy go. Take his fucking... He is a rich nigga who's a judge. And he took a picture of himself on Facebook with dry-ass tears talking about me after watching when they see us. Bruh, when, you don't, when I feel like you don't know how to internet, that's when I feel like you don't know how to internet. Oh, like, yeah. Because you don't need... You could just say, hey... I got emotional. I mean, because nobody's going to be like, what you mean you got emotional? Like, we're all going to understand. There's no need to post a picture of that. But you a grown-ass grandfather. 
what are you doing posting pictures showing yourself crying like i want y'all to know that man tears are okay here's mine sharing sharing my man tears with the world i mean yeah we didn't we don't need visuals to really didn't affirm that (laughs) it's like like i know grown men cry i seen my father cry my mother's my grandmother's funeral i don't want to see yo when they see us tears in a picture this is this ain't instagram nigga and even if it was nigga grow up there though because you bring it attention be like look i look look at my tears i am y'all Look I'm at crying. it. It's like, no, all of us feel a certain way about this. That's why some of us haven't even watched it yet. But I kind of feel like that about the culture in general. Like, that's the new thing now for, for grown ass men, because men were never sensitive enough to now be all over Facebook and Instagram and Twitter talking about, I cried 17 times when I watched this movie. And I'm like, first of all, why did you care? Why did you think we cared to that information? Like, if you cried, nigga, I'm glad it moved you to that point. But why are you announcing it? Like you just got a new achievement. Gained some femininity today. Cried during when they see us. What? <laughs> and why are you telling me you crying? Why are you showing off your why are you bragging about your tears? A mess. I Bruh. saw that and I was like, a, a mess. Oh man, that <laughs> man, that shit broke me down like twenty two times, dog. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what do you do? What are y'all doing? Y'all having tear conversations? It, I'm as emotional, man. It moved me. Cool. I get moved by stuff too, man. I don't, I'm not about to take a picture of myself crying though. At that point, it is now. It at that point, it's not. Uh, it, it's what I just. I just fucking lost the word I wanted to say. Organic, but that's not really. It's not real. Let's put it like that. It's not real anymore. You just being fake for the internet. Look at these internet tears. These YouTube tears. <laughs> oh my god did you i gotta sing you that episode i don't know if i told you about it dj that um reply all episode where they were talking about the whole um youtube incident with the makeup people oh no so <laughs> so they have a i don't know how much of reply all you listen to but they have episodes where they do this thing I've called listened to some but they're i mean i like them have you got to the have you gotten to an episode yet where they do yes yes no no. So yes, yes, no is yes, their, yes, no is amazing. It is their right. their their uh one of their bosses, Alex Bloomberg. What he does is he doesn't understand like internet memes and stuff as well as they do. So if he sees something that is popular or trending on Twitter, he will take a take a a, a snap a screenshot of the of the tweet that is trending, and he will take it to the crew on Reply All. And he'll be like, explain. "Can y'all explain this to me?" And it's always something really it's like sometimes it's usually it's something that's really, really vague and it's dense. The explanation of it is very dense because it's a period. It's over a period of time in which things have happened over the Internet that built up to this now becoming a meme. But they did one that involved the makeup artists in the YouTube and they were like, the dude was like, I don't really know what this means, but I feel like so and so who sits next to me watches videos like this. I'm going to go ask her. And she broke down that shit so well. And she, she basically took them down a rabbit hole of YouTube <laughs> apology videos. And she was like, I love them. She said, they're so good and so bad. Is, the one, is this a new one they were talking about? The Charles thing? The Charles James thing. Charles? I'm not sure. I'm not, I've listened to so many reply alls. I don't know whether it's a new one or an old yeah. one. I just let the shit play when I'm walking. I have no idea what episode right. it is. I enjoy the uh, 
You seen the sports yes yes knows he done? I saw the one he did for I, I heard the one he did for KD where they were like he has a fake account and how yeah. people figured it out. Yeah, and that was a couple years ago. So like <laughs> they, he did he did, I think he's done two or three sports ones. What's funny is with Nate sometimes because I'm way too versed in shit I don't care about, <laughs> they'll read a tweet and I'll be like, I know what that means. Like I don't I don't know the depth the the, the specifics of the depth as far as it goes back, but I know the I know the general joke the general meme that they're getting at from this. So it always weirds me out. Cause I feel like I'm supposed to be Alex Bloomberg in those situations. I don't get involved in Twitter shit like that. But as soon as they read a tweet, I'm like, wow, I still have not unplugged enough. Cause I really should not know what they're talking about. Like they did one that was about the, um, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but for the internet. And do yeah, pick totally like, awesome that one. Yeah, I, I was, was I dog. I was not. Like I was listening to no, it and I was like, I, I know, what I that know is, nothing. What that is. I realized this is confirmed that I know nothing about the internet. See, I want to be like you, <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I can't. Uh, it was, it was weird. I don't even watch basketball and I knew about the KD shit and not because I read about it. I just, when he read the tweet, I was like, I know what that's, I, I know what that tweet is saying, but I don't know what the situation was that led to it. I just know what the tweet, what the, what the meme means. <laughs> so that yes yes all is definitely it's like one of the most brilliant things i've heard in the podcast bring me twitter shit i don't understand and explain it to me <laughs> oh gosh i'm gonna have to listen to that i did listen to well i tried to listen to a couple of more of that um what was it crime junkie Crime Junkie, I told, listen, I played Crime Junkie to joke on them. Go get that Crime Town. Get that Detroit, man. Season two. Oh, yeah. I've started that already. But, um, no, I wanted to listen because, you know, they had a couple of other um, cases that I haven't heard yet. So uh, I wanted to listen. Um, One of them, even though they, like, they're notorious for leaving out information. But, um. Uh, <laughs> Like when I start looking it up, I was like, "Oh, how you leave all this out?" But, um, and I don't know if they do that. I'm sh- I'm assuming they do this because they're trying to fit it in like X amount of time frame. But um, that one, it was one about the guy who's like on the most, I think the top ten most wanted list, and he's like now in his seventies, and they have still haven't found him. That he killed like his uh, kids, wife, and mother, and like. And they lived in, what is it, how you say it, Bethesda? Bethesda, Maryland. Uh-huh. He lived there, and um, he killed them in the house, and he drove all the way to Columbia, North Carolina, which I have never heard of. I had to Google it, and it's kind of like outside of uh, Wilmington. And so it's like five and a half hours away, and dumped them in like a grave and set it on fire, but didn't kill the family dog. <laughs> I mean, what did the dog do? Clearly Shut nothing. up. Clearly what nothing. did the family do, damn? Like, they I mean, didn't families, do can, families can do a lot, actually. Family didn't do well. In this case, family did nothing. But He um, just lost his mind. Huh? He just lost his mind. He, they, they claim, yeah, because like, he was like in the military, like he was super smart, you know, was in the military at one point, like he married his high school sweetheart, they had kids moved to you know that part of maryland with his mom and they said like he applied for a job um he was working for the government applied for a job 
that he, I think he really, really wanted. I think it was going to take him overseas. He's flu, he's fluent in like five or six um, uh, languages. Uh, didn't get the position, and they said the secretary um, said that he said, "Oh, I'm just I'm not feeling well. I'm going to leave for the day." Once he found out he didn't get the position, mm-hmm. um, and they said that he, I'm trying to find his name. It's like Bradford something, but. Um, he went to the store, um, you know, like a Home Depot web, and he bought like a shovel, like gloves, like all this pretty much murder stuff. Um, went home, pretty much killed everybody, put him in the uh, car, brought the dog with him, uh, and drove to Columbia, North Carolina, dug uh, a grave for every one of them, dumped him in the grave, covered it up, and set it on fire. And then he drove three hours to Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is like three hours away, and um, bought like clothes. And they said the surveillance said that he was with this black woman. <laughs> it's a white man. I don't know where the black woman came from, and nobody ever saw her again either. But um, they said by the time you know the neighbors was like, "Oh, something's not right." You know, there's no. Uh, movement or anything like that next door they called the police to do a wellness check the police went out there and they said they immediately saw blood everywhere like on the driveway on the door they, they forced themselves in the house blood was like literally everywhere but you know he already had like a a couple of days ahead of them and I think this was like in 1979 or something like that but um, by the time they you know figured out where he went and they found the bodies he was already gone, and I think he's overseas in like Italy, and he hasn't been back since. And he's been spotted, maybe about possibly spotted, maybe about two, three times, but it's always kind of like in passing. Or one lady says she actually talked to him, but didn't realize because she was already working overseas when you know he was like on the wanted list and all that stuff. So she didn't even realize all of that was going on until like a couple months later she went back to. United States and realized like oh wow like he's a wanted man but you know he was long gone um but I thought that was just insane but they left out so much stuff um on the podcast oh my god so one yeah that motherfucker's crazy two they absolutely be leaving almost everything out of their stuff I don't know who does their <laughs> research but I hope they pay that person part time and three so I was like going through my emails to make sure I didn't miss anything um, for work. And I see that I got an update from uh, next door, which is the neighborhood watch app shit. Right. Oh Lord. <laughs> and s- somebody out here somewhere near me posted this. Thanks to the angel who found my son. And I'm like, is this an ad? What is this? So I started reading it. I want to say thank you to the person who brought my three-year-old son home. Nigga. He said that you were nice and that he wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese. So he opened the door and went out. He said he got lost once he left the house. I want to say thanks so much and would like to thank you in person. Hopefully you see this. I have so many questions. Um, so my first question is, 
why don't you know who the person is that bought your three-year-old son back home? <laughs> Was the boy at home alone? Like, what? I don't understand. How do you not? Why are you posting on a forum to try to find this magical person? Like, did Bagger Vance save your son? I don't understand how. <laughs> who is the magical, the magical Negro that brought your son home? Two. That's crazy. Why did your three-year-old, why was your three-year-old son able to just walk out the house to go to Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> what? What? And don't give me that bullshit about, you don't know what it's like to take care of a kid. You're right. Except you're wrong. Because we babysat him before. And you know what? <laughs> we don't even let them go downstairs. Like, no, nah, because you know who ain't down there? One of us. You got to stay up here. <laughs> How did your son just walk out the front door? Like, bye. <laughs> A three-year-old. Bye, mommy. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be back going to play some balls. Like, what? What were you doing what? while your child was just walking out the door? Deidre, the comments, though. The comments. <laughs> the comments. This is a great outcome. My little girl used to leave the house. Time out. What do you mean? What? Like all the time? Like it happened more than once? Like it was a regular I mean, thing? Look, hey, her saying it's a great outcome is correct because he could have been dead <laughs> forever. <laughs> we DJ been talking about her on the, on the new show she listening to. <laughs> What what happened to his door said he was going to check a cheese. That was the last time they saw <laughs> What happened to little Maddie? So they drove to Chuck E. Cheese, even though there's not a Chuck E. Cheese within 30 miles. <laughs> they went to the closest one hoping he made it. Like what? With his little three-year-old legs, his little three-year-old shoes. Wow. My little girl used to leave the house, so I got an alarm system to alert me when the door was open. Alarm system was supposed to keep people from getting into your house, not keep people from getting out your house. So is he trying to say with the alarm when it's disarmed, you know how the door chimes when it's open? Yes. That's how he realized. Wow. That's how you know that your, son, that your child has walked out again. How lazy. <laughs> it depends on the type of child. <laughs> not that work with a lot of kids on a spectrum, and a lot of kids, a lot of parents have that. A lot of them are lazy too. Thank you. Thank you. No, no. You know, you know what I couldn't do, Twan. Twan, Twan, Twan. I want you to think about the house you grew up in. <laughs> I want you. I want you to think about. I want you to think about Lorraine. <laughs> hey, how how easy would it have been for you to just walk out the front door, of Twan? Uh, I'm not saying it. I'm not, uh, oh, 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 I'm not oh, really? Saying, look, oh, really? I'm not, no, I'm not saying that it, it, it's just people are lazy. I'm not oh, oh, uh, 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 huh? Not at all. Huh? Nope. At, at 16, do you think you could sneak out your house now? Look, if, look, you, if you was to go back, if you was to go back to Lorraine's house, do you think that you could just walk downstairs and walk out the front door without her hearing it? I know plenty of people mm-hmm. who do that. That's the answer I was looking for. for. That's the answer I was looking for. No answer. Because you know. <laughs> Cause, no, you, cause you not, cause you not getting me to sit there you, and be like every parent who does that. Is you lazy. know, you know, like yes, I know, I you know, like I know that if my mother Sheena, if Sheena heard that door open, listen, <laughs> we we don't have no, we ain't never had. No, I had my first alarm. I had my first alarm. I had I had chimes. My every door made a sound when no, I. No, we didn't have no chimes. You know, what my mama used to do. She used to put shit on the door that rang. 
Like she just put an old key ring on the door. And we be like, why is this here? You know why it's there? Because we forget it's there. We open the door and it go, shing, 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 shing. Everybody in the house here. We had to pay nobody monthly so what's for that. So between that and something else? We, <laughs> we had to pay no, But even, even before, hold up. Even before we had that, even before we had that, you can't walk downstairs without somebody being like, was you up last night? And they in their room with the door closed. How the hell is going down this town? Yeah, I was going to say, my mom, we didn't have, we couldn't afford no uh, alarm system. My mama could sense that shit. The door open. Who got the door open? <laughs> oh, my God. Can't go out another door. That can't go out one time, and, 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 and I, had, I had a very white kid moment. I, had, I, had a, I definitely had a, a, a cult moment as a child. I tried to run away. I jumped out the window of my bedroom and I was like, I'm getting away. And I ran to the garage to get my bicycle. I'm, I'm riding away. <laughs> I opened that garage door. Mom was like, where you going? I was like, hold on. How you know I love? <laughs> Black mamas are everything. Black you hear me? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I lied. Where you was going? I was going across the street to play with my friends. <laughs> and I remember, I think, you know what? I th- I, to this day, I ain't never thought of it till now. I think Jay snitched on me. Because I, I told her, I said, I said, I can't take it no more. I'm tired. I'm seven years old. I can't live here no more. I'm, I'm running away. You coming? And she's like, I'm coming. And then she's scared to jump out the window. I said, well, I got to leave you. I'll come back for you if I can. And I left. <laughs> Open the garage door. <laughs> oh, so where you going? <laughs> I'm going to the store to get some money. I did that one time too, Brandon. Don't feel bad. I, I don't know how. I was probably around that age, maybe 10. And I was at my grandmother's house. And I don't know what prompted me. I'm like, I'm leaving. So I ran out the house and I hid. And thinking, like, oh, they would be so, like, oh, where is where is she? Where did she go? Ain't none of them, but no, I ain't look for me. I guess she go. I guess she just go. Like, and then it went from, oh, they're not looking for me. Then I'd be like, fuck. I'm about to get my ass <laughs> Yup, because now you can't go back. <laughs> and my mama knew that. Too. Oh, my God. I was nervous. Because I was like, I'm about to die. <laughs> I jumped when out I that window and I thought that shit was the great escape. I jumped out the window. I was like, yes. <laughs> hey, the ground, like I broke out of prison. I was like, freedom. I went right into the garage. Now all I need to do is get my bike, get my bicycle. And there's nowhere I can't go except past the farm fresh. Cause that that's the dangerous part. I got to come back and I can't be out past the street lights. But other than that, I could go anywhere. <laughs> So yeah, this whole I need an alarm system to keep my kid in the house. Um, mm. alarm Thank you for bringing my three year old back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny! Oh, the guy's name. If if anybody wants to look up his uh, story on Wikipedia, like they even did um, a progression sculpture for him and everything. What he might look like because they th- they're saying I guess as of now if he's still living he's eighty two years old. Um, his name is Bradford Bishop. Look, he got away with it. Y'all just gotta let him go. I mean, it's like at some point, just be like, fuck it. So he on two thousand fourteen. So he killed his family. So it was three kids, his wife and his mom, but kept the dog alive. Um, in, in nineteen seventy six. 2014, he was placed on the 10 most wanted fugitives list. 
And then on 2000, in 2018, um, they removed him from the list, said they made room for another more dangerous fugitive, but he's still, quote unquote, actively pursued by the FBI. But it's like, why? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to find him at? The homeboy speaks all the languages fluently. Like, my man is off the Croatian. grid. You're not going to find him. He's but- off, <laughs> he is off the grid, dog. Yeah, just let it go. That man probably, and I think one of the sightings, the girl said that she saw him, um, I think it was in Italy, Mm -hmm, and saw him, um, like she was, I think she was coming from a restaurant, and she spotted him on like, it was like the opposite side of the road, getting into a car, and they were saying he was like well-groomed, and you know, that man is unbothered. (laughs) Y'all are not going to find him. I'm gonna find him. He's gone. Just, just leave him alone. Um. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Dark Phoenix is trash, and Deidre started watching the X Men films. How's your journey so far, ma'am? Did you just watch the first one? <laughs> I watched the first one, and amazing. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna get these episodes. And that's ready. not in a great way. Okay, so I hope you took notes. Just, just I hope you got yeah, the notes. I took notes, and yeah, I plan to watch more. Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I'm I'm happy because like I said, I'm gonna watch them in chronological order the way they're supposed to make sense, but they won't. They won't make and sense. And I told I told you I found like I guess the I guess this is the the right order on um Wikipedia by yeah. when they come out. Is that I mean that's pretty much yeah, the first three X Men and then Wolverine Origins and then probably First Class and then probably the Wolverine and then Days of Future Past and then Logan and then Apocalypse and then Dark Phoenix. I'm pretty sure is the order. Yeah, but if you like watching chronological, then you what? You got to start, start with Days of Future, Future Past. Past. No, you got to start. Actually, you got to start with first, first class. First class, yeah. Then Days of Future Past. No, I think it's like first class and then Origins. Hold up. When 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 Days of Future Class? I mean, Future Days of Past. Future Past technically be like last. No. Why would it It'll be, be last? later though? Right? Because no, he it's went first. back. No, but it's it's the it's Charles when he's younger. He didn't go back. You remember Days of Future Past would be last if you weren't going back in time to the younger Charles in them because they go back to yeah. the seventies. Yeah, but so I that mean, one's. But the, if you took it as them going back, like it's in the future, but then they go back. But what? But but what period of time do they come back to in Days of Future Past? We don't know if that's after X Men or before X Men. The first three. Because the timelines are different now. Uh, right? Because no. they made the Sentinels in the 80s. I mean, I I know. And it's just... It's, it's, right. It's don't do that. You're going to just hurt your brain. ain't good enough for me to figure this out. You're going to hurt your brain trying to do that. Yeah, I'm trying... Uh, I don't know what y'all mean. You, <laughs> you will see. You will... Because see, the order you're watching them in, which is the best order for you right now, is the order we saw them in, released in theaters. That's the order you're watching them in. You will yeah. get to, once you you'll watch the first three and you'll be fine outside of the mediocrity of them. But when they start mixing in Wolverine, the third one was horrible. Yeah, so the first one ain't good either, though. <laughs> Better than the third one. It, I I didn't say it was worth. The third one was the worst one for the longest time, and then Dark Phoenix came out, and they're literally you know, the, the same last movie. Thing y'all are saying is the worst one out of all of them. It was the worst one for the for a long time. It, arguably the first ones compared to to Wolverine Origins, which is bad. 
Yeah, then Wolverine Origin came out, and that just took the cake because everybody was like, "What's the?" I fuck? don't know. At last Stand is still pretty fucking bad compared. Like I, I put them neck and neck, but now that we have Dark Phoenix, there's no arguments to be made. Dark Phoenix is the worst X Men film that has ever been made. Really? Do you know how how low you have to go to get that? <laughs> Very low to get that. You know what I mean? Like it is. It is absolutely. It it makes it makes Last Stand look much better. Since they're yeah, both Ryan about Tomato Phoenix, said that too. Because they're Worst both about dark installment of the franchise. <laughs> they're both about Phoenix. They're both about the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix, and like it's literally written by the same dude, same dude. Simon Simon Kinsberg did both of who, these films. Who has talked about like the people who make these movies have talked about have bragged how about how they have not read the comics, right? What they don't know the source material for X Men. Think about that. Somebody wrote a book. And you'd be like, you know what? I ain't watching that book, but I, I think I know what it means by the title. Ryan's, Ryan Singer I Bandit. The, I haven't read Game of Thrones, but I'm just going to guess. No, DJ, yeah. Brian Singer banned X-Men comic books from set, would not let the actors read them. Uh, Told them what? not to read them. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it explains everything in the movie. On the other hand, uh, Lee, uh, Brie Larson is literally seen in her trailers reading Captain Marvel comics to f- embrace the character. Like, that's no, how who, who doesn't do were. what actor doesn't do research on their character? What, what person is, and the cool thing about comics because there's so, there's always different writers. Like, you get the lore of the person, there's always that, like, that, those one or two writers who have, like, who have established what the character is. But when you get to see different takes by different writers, you get to see two things. You get to see how people have viewed that character differently, but also what are the running things about that character that stays the same? What about that? What, what about that character makes makes them that character? Because every like so many people have done Batman when it comes to you know uh, writing him and having different people writing different takes and stuff like that. But there's always core characteristics that are common throughout. So that you always know that person is Batman, because that's what Batman is. Every comic has that. That's why you should read them, so you can know. Okay, throughout this person, oh, there's a change here, there's a change here, but this is the core. Even if they change the whole look of the of the person, there's still this core characteristic that makes people be like, oh, that's them. That's why you read them. Twine. So you actually know what you're doing. Twine. Okay, so check this out. So I went to the we- I went to the website for all of the different ways you can watch X Men films. And first of first off, Deidre, you're gonna see this on site. This is bullshit, and this is X Men fans trying to make their series better by adding in a series that was that wasn't even looked upon as a good idea until it was successful. Deadpool. If you see any list that mixes in Deadpool with X Men films, that list is garbage because Deadpool was never a part of the X Men's shit until never it was. did well. Mm. They did. They were like like Fox Studios was like, y'all want to go do a Deadpool film? fine, we don't really give a fuck because it's going to be trash and we don't want it to be part of an X-Men universe. They went and did the first X-Men film and it was fucking successful. It was more successful than some of their X-Men films. And they were like, oh, yeah, definitely let, let Ryan and everybody come on well, over. It, and then they hold Ryan almost like hostage if he wanted to do Bruh, it Deadpool. was it was a mess. Like, it was, like, it was a mess. He had to fight the, the, he, because they wanted to try to take it over and yeah. get it out of their hands. And they, they were like, absolutely not. You will not fuck up Deadpool. We're going to do Deadpool the way we've been doing it. DJ, the first scene when you, in the first Deadpool movie, like that first scene, that car scene, 
I remember when they got put out as footage that like he that Ryan Reynolds and them did themselves. Play footage. And and just to show how we could do it. And then the the movie came out years after that. But that scene was so memorable by people because they loved it and they got such a good response that they made sure to put it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because he was like, I want to do this. I want to do it right. And when you watch Wolverine, when you watch uh Origins, you're gonna understand why <laughs> why he wanted to do a good Deadpool. Why, why he wanted to do it again. I'm ta- I'm gonna tell you how trash Fox is. This is how trash Fox is. And this is a conversation we will have later on on premium. So if you guys want to hear our reviews of X-Men films and why Fox is really trash all over again, sign up for premium 40 at where's my 40 X.com. First month is $5 or $90 for the whole year, whichever one you pick easy to sign up. You get a bunch of episodes, extra content, extra podcast stuff, extra commentary. All right. The reason that Fox is trash is because when Deadpool was successful with the rated R rating, that's when they decided to do Logan. That's when they were like, oh, we can do rated R films and they're successful. Let's make a rated R Wolverine film to be like Deadpool. Mm. Again, this was a studio that only gave um, Ryan Reynolds 65 and them $65 million to do Deadpool. Like they're giving what? X-Men films $180 million and $200 million and you know, whatever. They gave Deadpool $65 million. Deadpool looks better than any fucking X-Men film out here. And the action scenes in Deadpool look better than all the action scenes in any X-Men film. And they're working off damn near half the budget for some shit. Yeah, like I've seen, you know, before this, I've definitely seen both Deadpools and Deadpools is great. But these, these are the orders, Swan. So there's a chronological order, which uh, I just did. I think I named it, but it's... uh. So it's like I say, it's first class origins apocalypse. We talking about the six movies, right? Or are we talking? We talking about Wolverine? nine movies. So we talking oh, about Wolverine nine films, nine films. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about. Uh, so it's chronological order would be first class origins, apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, X Men. What? Because <laughs> Dark Phoenix takes place in the early nineties. Uh, X Men. Wait, excuse me. Wait, what? Yes. Yes. Everything you're seeing with the X Men. All of that, I mean, with the, the current movies that have just recently came back, is them showing them in the 80s, 70s, 80s. There is a... 80s, well, 80s, 90s, right? Deidre, you know, you know who fat, Michael Fassbender is. You know who Michael Fassbender is, right? Yes. Michael Fa- you know, oh, You know Magneto in the X-Men you're watching now? Mm-hmm. Okay. That, 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 that Magneto is in, like, the year 2000. Fassbender plays Magneto in 1990. Yeah. So like James McAvoy is wow. playing Patrick Stewart's character, right? In 1990, and when you get to, uh, it'll make sense once you get to like Days of Future Past. But uh, so 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 let's see, Apocalypse Phoenix. Time travel. That's all you need to know, right? Yeah, Con- <laughs> no, not real time travel either. Conscious time travel, where you just send yeah. back your thoughts. Um, Which, yeah, let's not even go into it. I've already been into it. Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, X Men, X Men United, Last Stand. But she turns into the Phoenix twice. No, she turns into the Phoenix before she then comes back again and turns into the Phoenix. But after she's already she turned into the Phoenix. So she turns into the Phoenix twice. No, she turns into the Phoenix three times. Actually, she turned into the Phoenix in the Apocalypse. She did. Yes, she used the Phoenix power to kill. Um, what's the name in Apocalypse? I thought she had. How she gonna use the Phoenix power? She ain't got the Phoenix power. Wow, you were asking the question, and everyone is asking who went to see Dark Phoenix. After seeing Apocalypse, which is literally the film before it, ten years before it's that too. Now I gotta watch. Now I gotta do you know it. I'm not gonna watch it. I'm gonna go find where that scene was. Don't do it. Watch that scene. Don't do it. It's on YouTube. 
Um, then you got the Dogs Wolverine. So bad. <laughs> so bad. But listen, they have another order, which I did I don't know who came up with this one. This order is called Throw something in the wall and see what sticks. It's called it's, it's, it's called X Men movies by internal chronology. And wait, what? And it says there are two main timelines in the current X Men universe. The first timeline consists of all the movies produced up to Days of Future Past, which is correct. Okay, and, got you on that one. And produces the following timeline in chronological order: First Class, Wolverine, X Men. X-Men 2, X-Men 3, The Wolverine, Days of Future Past. Then Days of Future Past changes events well, starting... Oh, how we get, which, you mean, you, when you said the first, when you said Wolverine, you meant Origins, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Origins. Okay. And then I said The Wolverine 2 as well, though. Then, gotcha. then Days of Future Past changes events starting from 1973, producing a new timeline, which includes the following films. First Class, Future Past, Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, oh, and Logan. It's the same films. <laughs> but they, but it's different now because the timeline has been reset. It's the same film. I thought, I thought they were gonna say they didn't produce these two, these films in the two thousands. Like this shit, like essentially what uh, they're, oh, essentially what they're saying head, is you're supposed to watch the chronological order, and then when they no, do the time fix, no. you're they, supposed to they, watch they all the be, all the terrible X Men films. No, they about to say, look, you got to watch when you watch the first fifty minutes of this movie is <laughs> in this timeline. But the second 50 minutes is a dead time. But that's not a lie, though. That's literally Days of Future Past. The first 30 minutes is after Stan, but before Logan. And then the whole rest of the film is after First Class, but before. See, are we going back in the days of things where, where him going back? Because first. So then we're going to go is First Class is always first because First Class is just the beginning. Yes, even so though Origin. He has not gone back. He has not done anything. This is true. First class and origins will always be the first two. Well, but this is the thing, though. If we're talking about parts, if we're talking about a whole film that's set in one particular time period as being the first one, then it's or then it's first class. If we're talking about a film that features moments of time from before other moments of times in films, we're talking about origins because you got to remember Logan and and Sabretooth did their whole run through like the dark ages yeah and shit. yeah yeah there yeah in the beginning I'll of origins so i mean it, even theoretically we could say that both of them happened around the same time they were going on simultaneously Let's well they i mean they literally run into wolverine in a bar yes. in first class and he's like fuck yes. you guys and he leaves yeah but we, but we don't know if he's like if he's gone through the weapon x program not or yet we don't know that yet well he hasn't been through the weapon x program in first class yet because he goes through it after days of future past and then we see him again after it in apocalypse what do you mean he goes through it at the days of future Past? in days of future past he gets picked up by striker who is actually mystique posing as striker but then in apocalypse yes. when they get on when they all get picked up in apocalypse and they break out of the train the person that they free is wolverine but it's wolverine after the x program because he somehow he got picked up by the real striker so the yes i saw that part yes so essentially the so essentially the fake striker mystique Uh pulled wolverine out of the water and then dropped him off at the x pro at the weapon x program to deal with the real striker and the real striker game is animanium but see i'll cut my head hurt Yeah, I've, 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 I've too much. Oh, my head hurts. So, <laughs> too much now, sauce. So, so that, so we, we're running uh, two things. Is, is this starting a different timeline or is this timeline was supposed to happen because the thing that started the timeline that we all know 
was him going back in time. And the, only thing that, and the only thing that's pure is first class. Essentially, yes. The only thing that's pure, the only two I films, the only films that, the only two films that are pure, I would say that are pure are First Class and Logan. Now, Deidre, <laughs> this same type of time loop is exactly what happened in the latest Infinity War movie. In game, yeah. But did your head hurt this much? No, it did not. Because no. they actually thought about it. It made sense. Fox. Like all, all the all the real other Marvel stuff made sense. She Fox has, is just throwing out. Fox is just making not. stories, and 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 not trying to be like they don't care about consistency. Not, you can make stories. You can just make like like you can just make episodic television, right? Yes. But they make it so separate from everything is that they contradict themselves in from one moment to the next. They make something in a movie that won't match up to the, like, or the movie that came after it would do something that doesn't match up with the movie that just came before it. And you're like, well, how did you not know that? They don't care about aging people either. They absolutely do not care about aging characters. They're like, yes, Fassbender looks exactly the same in the 60s that he looks in the 90s. Like, there's absolutely no difference. And then all of a sudden in 2000, he looks like he becomes, fucking... Yeah, he, he looks like Ian McKellar. He ages like, 70 years in 10 years for whatever reason. And for McAvoy, for McAvoy, it's even more offensive. He's literally a fucking heroin addict in the 70s with long hair and can walk. Then all of a sudden he, he gets his powers back so he gets wheelchair ridden again. But then in Apocalypse, they make him lose his hair when Apocalypse tries to take his power. So now he's bald. And in the 90s, he's bald. And then all of a sudden he's Patrick Stewart in 2000. Like what it's, it's insulting that y'all even made him bald. Y'all should have just let McAvoy keep his hair. It didn't make any, why did you try to make him bald? Was that to try to make us believe he's more professor Xy now because he's bald? I want to know. Cause I didn't read enough comics to know exactly why professor X lost his hair. He was just always bald to me. No, but they needed to give him a re in a, but they, Twan, they needed to come up with a way to make it seem like they cared about timeline shit. So they made him lose his hair in Apocalypse. Oh. I remember and I remember looking at that being like. Oh, you know whose I, fault I this really it. is though, right? You know whose fault this really is? It's Matthew Vaughn's fault. Because when Matthew Vaughn, when they did the first three X-Men and Last Stand, which made the most money, um, was also got reviewed the worst and they decided we're going to do Wolverine and then they did Origins and Origins was trash. Um, Matthew Vaughn stepped in and he was the one who did first class. And remember first class got all of this rave because they added Michael Fassbender and McAvoy in it to do the whole Malcolm versus Martin, professor X and Magneto shit. They added Jennifer Lawrence to the show to be mystique. And they added, um, Nicholas Holt in there to be beast. So you had this stellar lineup of actors now that were playing the X-Men characters, not to say that Hewan, like Hewan McGregor and Patrick Stewart, and Hugh Jackman weren't, and uh, the, whoever the woman is that plays Jean Grey, weren't stellar actors in the original one. But I mean, those films weren't bad. Those films weren't good. So First Class comes out and it's, it's getting rave reviews, right? It's getting all this positive commentary surrounding it. And it's like, we finally, we may have the best X-Men film ever. And we, we would love to see where we go from here. 
fucking Brian Singer comes back and he's like, fuck Matthew Vaughn. I don't care if he made a better X-Men film than me. I'm going to take everything he did and fucking destroy it and ruin it and make it stupid. And that's exactly what he does with Days of Future Past. He's like, yeah, you guys did something that made sense with first class, but watch what I'm going to do. Titled Mayhem. And he does Days of Future Past, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. And you can tell he was pissed and wanted to try to show up Matthew Vaughn because he incorporates his old X-Men franchise into the new X-Men franchise. That's how we get the whole, that's, that's where the whole time shit starts to fall apart. What if we put Patrick Stewart and McAvoy in the same movie? Playing the same character, forty year, thirty years apart, looking like they're age seventy years apart. <laughs> what the fuck? I I have found so many reasons of why Professor X is bald from the comics. <laughs> is one of them Apocalypse trying to take his mental powers? No, most of them are just like he lost his hair once he manifests his powers. Other ones are he. Uh, he said one time that it um, helps him better uh, use Cerebro. Makes sense. Cerebro and then a big metal so he helmet. keeps it bald. And then other ones say it's like predisposition because they even show one of his twin sisters and she was bald. It's just. Yeah. It's like one of the things that he's always been drawn bald, but then like you know how you know how writers be going around there and they think of a reason. It's not really, I don't know if it's really, really canon, but it seemed like more like it, more most people just seem like it happened due to the onset of his powers. Oh, and in the films Deidre's watching, uh, Mystique is working like under Magneto, but she's clearly much, much younger than Magneto and Professor X are. Yeah, she's going to be the same age as Professor X when you when you get to first class. They're going to wow. grow up together. Do we know how, I mean, does she age regularly? Supposedly she does not age. Uh, when she becomes Jennifer Lawrence, she doesn't age at all. But here's the thing, Tuan. Nobody ages in the X-Men series after first <laughs> class. None of them age. I mean, yes, I know that much, but I'm just saying in general. Well, in general, nobody ages though. So how do we, how do we even, how do we even go about this question? About in the X-Men movies. <laughs> <laughs> don't care about the movies alright <laughs> talk about just in general nigga I was, she might I don't know Does, the movies the movies have set the standard now so I don't know <laughs> no do not do that <laughs> we don't even want to watch the cartoons anymore <laughs> also you get to see a blue mystique uh, uh, Deidre what mystique like, did we get like just, just hold on to that cause... wait I don't understand what color is mystique in the other films I'm just saying when she wants to become oh, you, Lawrence, oh no no you mean you mean Mystique stays Mystique? Yes. Gotcha. Mystique, she she mystiques herself most of the time. <laughs> you, 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 understand, you, understand, you understand what we're saying, Deidre? Sure. She doesn't. Uh, so in the Do films, you know who Mystique is? Yes. Okay, so in the films oh, you're watching... Color wish. This nigga, yo. Make sure we know. Sorry. I'm not there. I what, don't remember. <laughs> what what color Mystique was? Yeah. She's the one that fought Wolverine. The one that could change into other people. Right. <laughs> she was blue. Okay. There's only one blue person in the movie. No, Nightcrawler's hey. in the movie. He's blue. Excellent. 
So Nightcrawler, this? <laughs> Nightcrawler is absolutely in the X Men films because he talks about how he can't no, and teleport. In the first one, he is. He's in the first one. He's in the first one. If he's not in the first one, he's in the second one. He's in the second one. I don't think he because he definitely one. talks about how he can't teleport into certain places because if he doesn't know where he's going, he might get trapped in a wall. Yeah, he might get trapped in the wall. I don't think he. Oh, oh. Well, you know, I don't know. Let me look real quick. <laughs> See who was in there. Cast. Here we go. Let's see Logan. We got Ian McKellar, uh-huh, Halle Berry. Halle Berry. You know what happens Jean to a Gray. frog when it gets struck by lightning? <laughs> Rebecca Romaine, Toad, uh, Sabertooth Rogue, Iceman. Oh, yeah, forget about Iceman and, like, Jubilee and all this. Nope, nope, nope. No uh, Nightcrawler. So he's in the second one, then. Okay. I thought he was in the second one because everybody was happy when he when he popped up. He might, I don't, I listen, I don't remember a lot about these movies, which is why watching them again in chronological order is going to be an experience, even though I remember everything about them. Either way, uh, Jennifer Lawrence takes over that character. She becomes more prominent later on, but Jennifer Lawrence doesn't like to sit in makeup too long. So she decided I'm going to be Mystique, but disguised as Jennifer Lawrence for the rest of these movies. So yeah, because basically that's Mystique. Mystique is blue. And the whole thing about Mystique is that she's not hiding herself as a mutant. One of the things she's always been like... She oh, she's very prominent she, about this. Yeah. She can shapeshift into whoever she wants to be. Like she's like, she's, like, she's like, if you're going you to fuck me, you're going to fuck me as me. You're not going to fuck me as your so, favorite porn star. They, they make this big thing in the movies when they get Jennifer Lawrence in there that she is hasn't fully come into herself. So she's embarrassed by her mutant form. So she so she puts on the the face that looks like Jennifer Lawrence so that she can, you know, go around. And then at the end of that movie, it comes to a point where she's like, I, I you know what, I accept this part of me. I am this part, right? But yet she still goes around looking like her all the time. It's like it's like you saying, I accept who I am. And then you go right to your junk before you go outside. You no, go it's like you're going, I accept who I am, and then put a bag back over your head. Like, it's just, but, <laughs> but when you at your house, not when you just out, when you at your house. No, that was, I don't, Deidre, I don't know if you saw my Facebook tweet, but in the trailer for the new X-Men in Dark Phoenix, they go on a mission, they do something, and then they come back to their mutant home, mutant school, and when they walk into the school, Jennifer Lawrence walks in looking like Mystique and then changes into Jennifer Lawrence in front of the other mutants like she's trying to hide her identity. And I said, that is the same shit as if Bruce Wayne put on the goddamn bat suit and was sitting in the kitchen in Wayne Manor eating eggs in front of Alfred. Like, that shit is ass backwards as fuck. Why would, that's like Superman running in the booth as Superman and then turning back into Clark Kent. Like, what? <laughs> what? Why are you, you just, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, that's crazy. That is Simon Kinsberg writing right there, buddy. That is that that is the writing of Simon Kinsberg, inspired by Brian Singer, a guy who probably touched little boys, according Ooh. to the allegations. Oh wow! Like I just want I want DJ to read this, watch his movies, and go back and watch the X Men cartoon from the nineties, oh, so, so she can see it better. So much better. <laughs> so much better. Oh, like you. There, like, did you when you watch these movies and you actually, if you actually like just read some about X Men, X Men is so good 
the uh, who was the wrote it in the seventies? Was uh, was it Chris Chris yeah, Claremont? I don't, I don't read comic like books, so you got me. He wrote it in the seventies, and he kind of established what the X Men were, and it was always a a stand-in for any type of marginalized people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If you felt marginalized, that's where the X Men were. They were mutants. They couldn't they couldn't control what was going on, but when it was happening. People were being like, you're different. People were trying to kill them. People were trying to to legislate them away. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you were black, if you were gay, if you were, you know, like, anything that was just different and persecuted, you related to that story. Mm-hmm. And, like, even throughout the when they started becoming superheroes and doing great stuff, there was still, like, times where the government was trying to pull out like anti-mutant acts and when when they were talking about if there's a cure if you can change who you are if you could change from being this thing like if there's a cure would you do it you know what i mean and like what marginalized groups did that what black person had looked at you and said man if you if you could wake up and not be black tomorrow would you do it like you had these type of thoughts right and then you have the you have two people who are both in, in professor x and magneto two people who both care and love about their their people mm-hmm. and but are and and are trying to go about the, both of them want freedom and one's trying to do it through peace and the other one's like we have to force so even though a lot of times they fought each other there was always this mutual respect they had for each other because they knew they both were coming from a good place even though they really didn't agree with each other's methods so like you had all this push and pull it's a great story that so many people like just went and was like yo i relate to this and when the movies came out that was one of the reasons why it was one of the first big movies because everybody loved the x-men and then they just fucked it up (laughs) They they just oh they just they just messed it up so so bad they messed up they messed up x-men so bad that marvel as comics don't even write about them that much damn like that was the marvel comic above all this other stuff above iron above everybody else it was it was x-men but i'm interested to see because like the comics are doing this whole new um there's another person that's getting control of the x-men and they're doing this whole little like they're building a new world with it and I wonder if they're going to do that and introduce this new stuff and then see how that goes and then maybe be like hey this is how we can introduce it into the movie universe and then that be like the traditional retelling of the story but they, yeah they, they just took a good story and just made it horrible <laughs> Like just made it so horrible. Like they made it horrible just by casting people, and you were like, "What? What are they doing?" Like, I mean, like they had Storm. They made it Halle Berry, and then they made it Alexander Ship, who had the wonderful idea of making a oh, Storm film, oh, bringing all the light skinned women. Together. That's all she wanted. She was like, Alexander Ship was like, "I think we should have a Storms movie oh. where like Halle Berry plays the old Storm, and I play." 
the young old storm because actually alexander ship is supposed to be the older storm than holly berry is if she does if she knows how time works she's the first storm and holly berry is the second storm or the old version of her storm but then she said that they would also include amanda sternberg as a storm and then they would add yara uh yara is what cheaty to be a storm so you would have all the well you'd have you'd have three light-skinned storms and then you'd have Yara, who is has a bit darker complexion than the other ones, but pretty much also might be considered by people to have like four C hair or whatever. Storm. I mean, Storm. Look, Storm is black. Storm is African and dog. Like, like I think I think she's like I think is she um is she in the books? Is she must is she a Maasai? I don't know. I don't know. I just know she's supposed to be okay. African. Is she? I think I've heard. I seen some place that she was Messiah because she was Messiah. She's supposed to be like chocolate. But she like, yeah, I mean, be. I want the, I want the storm that married T'Challa. That's what I want. That's the storm whole, I want. That's a whole another debate that niggas do not want to have. But like, DJ, if you just go look, just did you go look up all the drawings of Storm? <laughs> You're going to see the chocolate woman. <laughs> you're going to, you're going, I've, I've seen her. Yeah. She's yeah. dark skinned. You're going to see, um, you're going to see Angela Bassett. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now, did she say that she was approached by four? She that? said that she read for it and she didn't understand what X-Men was. So she turned it down. Yes. And this was like, you know, this was way before like the movies. These way before superhero movies are the way they are now. We're talking about, she probably read for this. We're talking, what, 98, 99? Yeah. This was around, like, Stella got her groove back time. She said she did not get yeah. it, so she turned it down. Which I could fully understand. I, I, I could pretty much guarantee that Fox didn't get it. explain it right. <laughs> Just like that at all. Well, since they wouldn't allow anybody to read the fucking comics, then I'm sure they didn't. All right. All right, man. It's getting late. We were talking about a whole lot. A lot She's a tribal princess of Kenya. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Brown skin. Something about brown skin. All right. Man, this so, episode is canceled like Swamp Thing. Like DC Universe is going to be probably within the next three months. So we'll holler at y'all next time. Where's my 40 podcast? Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WM40A. Uh, I am on Instagram. This will be Phenom Black at Phenom Black. Deidre is on Instagram at craft big killer twan is not on instagram i guess we're all on facebook in the facebook group and remember if you want to join the facebook group you gotta answer the question and if you can't answer the question don't give us some bullshit ass answer to the question that makes you that for whatever reason you would think we would read and go oh understood and let you in the group that's not gonna happen the question is very fucking basic answer the fucking question if you can't answer yeah. the question, that means you didn't even take initiative to go listen to one episode of the show, which means you don't belong in the group, which means you shouldn't be asking, you greedy, greedy nigga. Until then, we'll holler at y'all next time. We're out, and a shout-out to our guest, uh, Ron Gilmore Jr. Make sure y'all check out, check out his music. I posted his song in the group. We out. Peace. We clear.